This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How is everybody doing? Boy, have I missed you. Things are unbelievable right now. We've been on this roller coaster ride before. And this isn't the roller coaster ride that scares the you-know-what out of you and you never want to go on it again. This is the roller coaster ride that you want to keep riding and getting back in line and riding it again and riding it again. So by the end of the day, you've ridden Space Mountain at Disneyland 20 times. This is epic right now, what's going on with your Oakland Athletics and what's going on in all of baseball. This is why you're a baseball fan. I mean, I was basically gone for a little over 24 hours, and I was like, I was jonesing. You can't get enough. Yes, I am working on zero sleep right now, but I have coffee, and I'm ready to go, and we're going to have an unbelievable show for you. We're on from 4 to 7. It's a full show as the A's, once again, have this random day off on Friday. It's a trip, but, you know, we'll take it because that gives us three hours. We don't take the day off. Dallas Braden is going to be here at 4.15. Shooty Babbitt at 4.30. The MVP Cy Young Award winner, Vita Blue, at 5 o'clock. The David Force Show at 5.30. Ron Wotus, who is longtime coach for Bruce Bochy, will be here at 5.45. And then Jeff Idelson, former president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, will be here at 6.30. Boy, I wish I could take phone calls today. But I can take your text at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. We talked about this stretch that was coming up for the A's. Where you have the Giants, you come back home, you got the Giants over at Oracle for two. Then you got the big bad Houston Astros for four. And then you got the big bad Yankees for three. And they take three of four from the Astros, and they sweep the Yankees. It's so reminiscent of 2012. Now, of course, when they swept the Yankees back then, it was in July. But whatever, we're in August. I'll take it. Extremely exciting times for the Oakland Athletics. 
So as we sit here on August 23rd, the best thing that I can tell you for the A's, Bob Melvin, and this ball club is that on August 23rd, you've got exactly what you want. And what do I mean by that? I've said this in the past, and I always say this at around this time of year, if you're in the right spot. You want to be able to control your own destiny. You want to be able to say, you know what? I'm either going to make the postseason or I'm not going to make the postseason based on what I do. It's all about me. It's not about anybody else. If I handle my business, and I do say I, but I really mean a we as a team, because there's no I in team, even though there is an M and an E. Never forget that. But no, they, they have their destiny in their own hands. Right now, they're in a virtual tie for first place in the wild card. With a chance, and this is why it's tough to play the schedule game, This is why players and manager and coaches always have to say, we worry only about today, and why we, who are non-players, we worry about everything else because that's what makes baseball interesting. I respect what they do, but you know what? They respect what we do. They understand. If I just came on the air every single day and said, oh, you just got to take it one day at a time, I mean, it would lull me to sleep, let alone you. But right now, their destiny is in their own hands. If they take care of their business, they will be hosting. And I'm not giving up on the division because we have actually seen a blip in there for the Astros. They're just four and six in their last ten. Obviously a blip for the New York Yankees. They're just five and five in their last ten. And the Tribe, who at one point was the hottest team in baseball, they're kind of falling apart. They're three and seven in their last ten. They've lost three in a row. And now Minnesota has a three and a half game lead in the central. If it ended today, which it doesn't, Cleveland's out. And it would be the Rays and it would be the A's. So this is and the A's have the tiebreaker. So the game would be in Oakland. But once again, we got we got a we're we're gonna go over the schedules. Keith Law from ESPN did a nice little article about what to look forward to going going forward with the schedules and looking at what the A's have. But the number one thing that I can say today on August 23rd, it's the beautiful thing about baseball, is when you put yourself in position to have your destiny in your own hands. You, as of right now, don't need to rely on anybody else. That's when it gets dicey, like where you are where Cleveland is right now. Like if we start looking at the wild card scenarios, certain teams are going to need help from other people. Well, the A's, they don't. The A's are 74 and 53. Tampa is 75 and 54. So that's a winning percentage of 583 for the Athletics. Tampa is 581, virtual tie. We'll just call it that. Because right now, if you go to MLB.com, you look at the wild card, they're even Steven. Cleveland is a half game back. Boston now seven games back of the second wild card. Texas 12. These teams are done. Boston would need so much help. They'd have to get hot 
and they need so much help. The A's, just take care of your business. You take care of your business, and you're hosting the wild card game. We thought a while back, oh, man, the Central, look at the way it's playing out. They're either going to be in uh, Minnesota or they're either going to be in Cleveland. So from here on out for the athletics, they got the Giants. They got the Royals. They got the Yankees. Both of those are on the road. Angels and Tigers at home, and that's actually a four-game set because there's that extra game they got to finish where the A's are up 5-3. to three. Then you got at the Strohs, at the Rangers, come back home, Royals, Rangers, and then finish on the road, Angels, Mariners. It's a beautiful time of the year. If you're an A's fan, if you're not loving this, my God, what else do you want? This is what you want. An opportunity to have postseason baseball and postseason baseball at home, at the Coliseum. It's a beautiful time of the year. It really doesn't get any better than this. And there was another article we're going to get into today. And it's on CBSSports.com. Five reasons the athletics are the most dangerous American League wildcard contender. The most dangerous. And you know what? I want to applaud some outlets today. I really want to applaud people like CBSSports.com, MLB.com, because there's still too many that miss the boat. You know, I retweeted the Bay Area sports guy today, and he showed that the Yankees, they had a top 10 play of a guy who misjudged the ball and still caught the ball in the game. And it's like, that's their, you know, they're still promoting, promote the Yankees, promote the Red Sox. It's where baseball misses the boat. It's sad to me. Baseball doesn't, not baseball, the people who, the outlets of baseball, I guess would be the best way to put it. People who have signed contracts with baseball, like ESPN. They're in Connecticut. So basically the majority of the people that work there are either Yankee fans or they're Red Sox fans, and they just miss the boat. They misrepresent baseball. And let me give you an example. In two other sports that have great popularity right now, your market size doesn't matter on how much attention you get. And it's been like this for years. Think in basketball. Oklahoma City, which I don't even know where they would rank in the television market. But at one point, for years now, they've been one of the most marketable teams. I mean, you think about when they had Durant and Westbrook. They even had Harden on the same team. Oklahoma City, they were always on prime time. Houston. Houston's been prime time. See, I mean, the Bay Area... I mean, the Warriors were so bad for so many years, but the Bay Area, we're one of the top markets. Where does Oak Commander Cody, by the way, good to see you. Glad to have you back, eh? It is a trip. They So I just got, if you don't know, I've been in Canada with the Raiders and that debacle of a game where uh, it was such a joke. But, yes, they all say A. They finish every sentence with A. I don't know what that's a boot, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, figure it out. I don't know why they do that. 
Did you have poutine while you were up there? No, I did not. I had a rack of lamb. Okay. I'll, I'll let that slide, but when next time we go to Canada, Tim Hortons, poutine. As a guy that's never been to Canada, I know what to get in Canada. I, I So that guy's a former – is he a former – who did he play for? Uh, Tim Horton? Yeah. I should know this. If, if it's big in Canada – he probably played hockey. His stores are – but they're like coffee shops. They're although, not restaurants. Although I learned this from uh, the, sh- the voice of the Sharks on TV, Randy Hahn. Hockey's actually not the number one sport in Canada. Do you know what it is? Curling. Lacrosse. Lacrosse is the most popular sport. No way. So Ra- Randy's Canadian. He would know. What the hell is, What does he know? He's lived in the Bay Area for, what, 30 years? Yeah, he's been in, he's been in, this, uh, in the South Bay forever. Uh, by the way uh, – uh, No, no, no. By the way, when I was a kid, the great Randy Hahn – was the voice of the San Diego Sockers in San Diego. So Randy Hahn, Mr. Canadian, uh, has lived in California since I was a little kid. Did you know that? What, that he's been, he was the voice back then? I just found out the other day that Roxy was the radio voice of the San Francisco Demons of the XFL. So I find something out new every day. When I was a kid, the San Diego so- indoor, indoor soccer, they won like 11 of 13 championships. They were the king. And he was the voice. He's got like 11 championship rings. So Randy Hahn's been hanging in California for a long time. Well, he told me lacrosse, and I don't know I don't know any other Canadians besides one other guy, but I, I don't really trust anything he says. I think you know who I'm talking about. But anyway, my, Oklahoma- my, my buddy's wife's Canadian. Maybe I'll ask her. She's, she from, might- she's from Regina. That's Saskatchewan. Yeah. So Oklahoma City, 45th in the uh, market size. So my whole point is baseball has got to start getting their outlets to do what everybody else does, promote the top stories. It works in NBA. It works in the NFL. If the Cincinnati Bengals are the best team, they're getting promoted. Have you noticed the Giants and the Jets in New York suck? They're not playing primetime games. Well, why is that? If the NFL did what baseball, you'd have, all you'd ever see on primetime games is Giants and Jets. I mean, obviously the Patriots are getting out because they're the best. But when Tom Brady goes and Bill Belichick goes and they're not winning, they won't be primetime. They don't go by market size. They don't care about market size. They care about the story. If the Arizona Cardinals are the story, they'll be in primetime. Why can't baseball do this? It'll help all of your franchises. They just don't get The A's are a story right now. There's certain stories out there you need to be following, and they're so consumed with the East Coast teams, I don't get it. Atlanta is a great – you think Atlanta's getting enough pub? Not even close. Do we have – do we have the man, the author of The Perfect Game? Do we have Dallas Braden? Dallas, how are you? Yo, Estoy Aki, Townie, how are we doing? All right, y- y- help me out with this. Okay, so in the NFL, they don't care what your market size is. Whatever the hot story is, that's what they put in prime time. The NBA, I just mentioned Oklahoma City or Houston, whoever is the story will be in prime time. Milwaukee is now a prime time city because of Giannis. Why is it in baseball they haven't figured that out? And even though the A's swept the Yankees, they're still showing Yankee highlights they, like they had a good series. That's that's where the bias comes from. That's the that that is where the machine operates. That is where the heartbeat of the machine operates, which is on the East Coast. 
Look, Tony, I worked underneath that four-lettered uh, that that four-lettered entity out there for a while. I saw and bore witness to it firsthand, and it's really as simple as this: if there's a producer of a segment or a producer of a show who happens to be a fan of, well, guess what? It's it's what we call power of the pin in the media, right? Like I can, but folks, the the journalists they can write. Ultimately, they can write whatever they would like. So when you're in that power position to be able to give America or give the fans what it is you think is important, well, that, that's why you get force-fed some of those East Coast sports teams without realizing, wow, we've got a pretty cool storyline going there in Oakland with a team that just took three out of four from Houston, then sweeps the beast of the East that is the Yankees. But no, by all means, show us that one highlight of the Aaron Judge home run all series, please. Yeah, but but you know what? They don't... So ESPN will do that for baseball, but they won't do that for football because for football, they're going to go where the top story is. I mean, the top story could be in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. That's a super tiny market. Or it could be in Cincinnati. Or It's like they cover sport. Like They'll cover the NBA and the NFL the right way, but in baseball, they drop the ball. It's because county baseball is so regional, and they don't necessarily have to run – every major storyline up the flagpole to meet their needs or check their boxes as far as, Hey, we did baseball today. What do layman fans know in passing? They hear how great the Yankees are. Well, I mean, rightfully so it's a very storied franchise, 27 championships, yada, yada, yada. But I think that's part of it. You know, that the Yankees Red Sox rivalry is big. We'd like to think that the ace giants rivalry is big. Well, it might be big if that news, was getting pumped out to America from the West Coast on West Coast time. But baseball, just being as regional as it is, doesn't lend itself to grasping national acclaim, national attention day in, day out. And the idea that fan bases can gear up for a Sunday matchup all through the week, that helps as well. Because it's tough to get everybody excited and everybody in tune when we've got a three-game series, a four-game series. We get excited about that, but the fan bases – they're in passing during that four-game series. You know, they might check in with their one guy going. So that's why, I mean, baseball, it, it really is. It's its in a stranglehold of regionality, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and if they're going to get their game to where they need to be, they need to get out of that mindset. And uh, we'll, we'll figure that out at, at a at a later date. The Athletics are at 20, they're 21 games over 500. And I know you're still close to a lot of these pitchers. And I think about the starting five they have right now. We came out of spring training thinking the Achilles heel of this team was going to be the starting pitching. It's not. It's one of the strengths of this team. How proud are you of this five going right now? I mean, I am. you're right. I am beaming, County, because I do have the opportunity to, to watch these guys put their work in day in, day out. I'm down there watching bullpens, you know, just trying to, just trying to do my job so I can give the fans the little insights that, that I'm sure they're looking for that they appreciate. So uh, I, I actually had the opportunity. I, I, I talked at length yesterday at the yard uh, with Chris Bassett, and he's one of the guys that I've, I've seen just continue to show up every day with that hard hat, lunch tail mentality, get on the bump and grind his way to getting better in his bullpen sessions, in his catch sessions. So it's little stuff like that. And then Rorark, this guy shows up and is as receptive to the information as one could be. He's got a game plan. He's already impacting some of the younger guys on that staff or in the clubhouse. And that is, I mean, that is so invaluable when you've got guys that can come over halfway through, 
that are not only trying to recapture something in themselves, but are trying to make an impact in a clubhouse, trying to fit into a clubhouse, and trying to show not only themselves, but the clubhouse they're in, that they were worth the move that was just made. Hey, maybe some guys said goodbye to some friends, you know, and, and here comes Tanner, here comes Jake Diekman, here come, but the starting staff, County, kind of reminds me of the team as a whole last year. Everybody just kind of got better together all at the same time. You saw a lot of guys take their game to the next level. And I think that is kind of what we're seeing. I mean, there's a lot to be said for a guy like Mike Fires, who's on the role that he's on right now. Some would, I think, initially call it fluky. Well, you got to think the kind of, I mean, the kind of starts he's putting together, he's getting deep into ball games, how he's going about it with his pitch repertoire. Those are things that I look at and think, wow, these are guys that not only are understanding why they're getting the outs they're getting, but they, they are doing it on another level right now. All right, I know it's going to be Players Weekend, and they're all going to have their nicknames on the back, but I got a new nickname for Mark Canna. His new nickname is Duct Tape, because whenever you need to fix something, what do you use? You use duct tape. He's had to DH. He's had to play right field. Dallas, he's playing center field, which is a premier defensive position in all of baseball. Where would the A's be without Mark Canna? I, I, Tony, I've screamed it from the mountaintops between he and Chad Pender, and Chad Pender hasn't necessarily gotten the same amount of opportunity that Mark Canna has. But either one of those guys, you can put them anywhere, it seems, on the ball field. Now, I'd be a little hesitant maybe to slide Canna anywhere other than first base if we're talking infield. But to your point, he's playing up the middle in the big leagues, a very premium defensive position. You also have to produce with the bat there, which is something he has done. We touched on this uh, last game, actually. 19 home runs for Mark Canna. 14 of those, Townie, have come against right-handed pitching. This is a guy who found himself in a left-handed platoon at one point in time. But again, getting the opportunity every day, getting the regular opportunity, you're starting to see regular, everyday type player production. That is something that you, you welcome it, but that is why the Oakland A's are where they are right now is because he and other guys that I just mentioned have done exactly what's needed to be done in times where, look, this whole team hasn't been healthy at all, all together at any point in time during the season. Maybe the first pitch of the season, that's when everybody was healthy. Matt Olson, gone. KD, gone. Canna was down for a while. Pinder down. Piscotti down. I mean, when is the last time that this entire lineup was even healthy together, County? Imagine what this turns into. As KD slowly starts to creep and climb his way out of the funk he's been in. Imagine what this lineup starts to look like. Very scary. Very scary. And the statement that they just made this week, that lets everybody know and puts everybody on notice. Should the Oakland A's find their way into the postseason? Should the Oakland A's find their way into a division series? I'll tell you one thing right now. You don't bring your earplugs because the Coliseum is no place you want to be if you're a visitor. Also very scary and a lot of fun, and I think would make an incredible Christmas gift, is A's Fantasy Camp 2020. It's going to be January 9th through the 14th. It's going to be at the A's training facility. It's going to be you. It's going to be Vida. It's going to be Campy. It's Bobby Crosby. It's Carney Lansford. You're staying at a four-star resort. You're getting to play like a big league. You're get, like a big leaguer. You get to act like a big leaguer. You're wearing the big league uniform. Fantasy camp's incredible. Then at night, you guys are having a great time with cocktails and everything. Tell us why everybody needs to get down to Mesa, Arizona for fantasy camp. 
if you've been to a ball game and you've wanted an autograph or maybe just even wanted a picture and you wanted two minutes with your favorite player or any player, this is that opportunity on a whole other level, folks. This is an opportunity to show up at the yard at 6.30 a.m. if you'd like because that's when I get there. And we can hang out in the training room because I'm going to have to put my body together every day to get out there and have the kind of fun we're going to have because you're getting out there strapping it on, playing baseball with friends, with potentially family. I've watched people make their way from Australia over the last 12 years, Tony. They continue to come back because of the camaraderie and the relationships that are developed during this time. But after we're playing ball, we go in and have lunch together. We're hanging out. I mean, it's, it's to the point now where my family has made friends with families that have shown up and we're making plans to hang out after this whole thing is said and done. That's the kind of stuff that happens. So, and, and it's not lost on me that I get to meet really cool people from all walks of life. We're talking armed forces. I mean, teachers, nurses. We got a, an individual out there a few years ago, 86 years old. He got drilled in the back county, wanted to charge the mound. I was all for it, but you got to reel it in at some point. But that is the kind of stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got the campers, the pros versus Joe's game. Dave Stewart is on the mound, running his mouth, just telling everybody how terrible they are. I'm playing shortstop, and he tells me, Dallas, sit down. Actually, you know what? Just turn around. Take your glove off and lay down. That's the kind of stuff that you get to do day in, day out. I mean, Stu? Lansford, Campy, come on. You're talking world champions. You're talking some of the greatest players to have ever played the game, who played on one of the greatest teams, 1989, that I know you were a fan of growing up, that we're going to honor on Sunday. You know, Shooty Babbitt, our buddy's going to join us next, is going to be there. I mean, you're staying at a four-star resort in Scottsdale. You're playing ball. I, I really think... Like this is the ultimate. I mean, the I mean, you should sign up now. But I think this is the ultimate, like Christmas gift to give somebody. Well, it's not only not only Christmas gift, but you think about you think about new and fun ways to celebrate things, like moments in life or team building exercises. This is a great way to get some folks in the office, get you know, rally the troops and come out and spend a week together. Obviously, look, one of the coolest things that I think we do is kangaroo court as well. So. There's going to be some mistakes made. Folks are going to not be at the place they should have been, or they're going to make a crazy play. It's going to be funny. We're going to laugh about it that next morning, and that happens every morning. So you want to know what goes on in a big league clubhouse? You want to know how they talk to each other, how they treat each other, what goes on? Well, we pull back the curtain because that's the kind of life you're living for a week right next to, shoulder to shoulder with some of your favorite players. That's what's so cool about it for me. Why should we have Jamie Moyer there? Goose Gossage. I mean – I'm in awe. I, I get excited about it every year because I never know who the heck's going to show up. And that's what's really cool about it. It's a surprise. It takes you back to being a child. You get and to wear a big league uniform, playing on a big league ball diamond. Enjoy your night off. We'll see you tomorrow at the yard. All right, Uncle Tony. We'll see you, brother. Be good. The great Dallas Braden. All right, if you want to get if you want to get this experience, you go to athletics.com slash fantasy camp. That's athletics.com slash fantasy camp. And the great thing about this, the A's are running it now. So, you know, it's going to be absolutely first class. That's athletics.com slash fantasy camp. Coming up next, he's one of the top scouts in all of Major League Baseball. That's all I need to say. He'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. 
When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. Yeah, I like it. Eduardo Perez. Did you load it on his phone? Commander Cody? That's actually a Joey Libatori, the Italian Stallion. Eduardo came into our suit, our offices, and Joey showed him around, so that's a question for the Italian Stallion. Ah. I was hanging out with Rick Sutcliffe and uh, Book Shami that day while Joey was with Perez. Oh, okay. All right. Very interesting. We got to get into this Jeff Passan article. Because it's like, <laughs> it's really hard to believe. But if you go to certain gas stations or you go to certain liquor stores, they have sexual enhancement pills at the counter. And probably most famous is Lamar Odom, what happened a while back. And now players are being warned, hey, you can't be taking this stuff. It's pretty scary. Like, you see it and you go, like, who would ever buy that? Like, that, that's got, like, it just looks super risky. But obviously, young uh, athletes are buying it and they're being warned. This guy you never got to warn because he is the absolute man. He's one of the top evaluators in all of baseball, and it's great to have him back with the Oakland Athletics, the great Shooty Babbitt, the best-dressed man on television, also on NBC California. How are you, Shooty? County, County! I'm doing fantastic, my brother. How are you today? You know what I'm loving right now is I can honestly say to you where the A's are on August 23rd. It's exactly what you want to be able to say about your ball club. Your destiny is in your own hands. They are tied, a virtual tie, atop the top wild card. So the A's, to get into the postseason, it's all in their hands now. It's make or break, and it's on them. You know, and the amazing part of the county is just a process which everything came together. You know, if you think back early on in the early part of March, and we're down there in spring training and wondering where we're going to get the port of starting pitching from and not looking at the great depth that has been built in the history of the people running things here, of making sure that they make the right moves at the right time. And, man, oh, man, it's just a 162-game season. So many different things go on to try to build a playoff contending team. And, you know, all the ins and outs and the injuries and other things that you have to deal with, let alone the slumps of hitters, the personalities, the weather, the conditions, the travel, you name it, you've got to deal with it. And, lo and behold, you look up every year when people discount uh, the heights that the A's can reach you look up and they're right there with the teams that are contending. So this has been a tremendous year. You know, all the new growth, the activity, you know, the things that people are building off the field and around the field, and the product on the field is growing like the Jolly Green Giant, man. And, Shooty, the bottom line is for six months when you're, doing, when you're dealing with human beings, you got no idea what's going to happen. No, people read everything, and I think that's one of the great things about the A's clubhouse. Every clubhouse has issues. I don't care. When you're together as long as these young men are, and the tests are on that level is as high as ever every day when they come to the yard because they're competing at the highest level. They're playing in the biggest ballpark in the country. When you talk about this league, Tony, you know I tell you all the time, 
ain't no league bigger than this league that we get an opportunity to watch every day. But, man, oh, man, it's just amazing how they're able to keep it together. And Bob Melvin, the man that's leading the crew. I mean, you're talking about keeping an even keel and a competitive edge every single day. Uh, I don't think there's any question that he's got to be considered one of the top favorites right now for American League Manager of the Year. How much fun is it down the stretch we're going to have watching A.J. Putt come out of the bullpen and blow absolute cheese with a nasty slider? Oh, man. Cheddar. Thank you, brother. You know, I'm, I'm looking at young Randy Johnson, and I've got an opportunity to see him ever since that he broke in with the A's organization. And it's just natural for you to compare because of the body, the disposition, uh, the dreaming, the live arm. But give player development a tremendous amount of credit. It's so easy to try to rush a kid like this because you know what the upside is. But it's like gumbo, man. You just don't throw shrimp and chicken in the pot and call it gumbo. You got to let it simmer. You got to throw a little of this, a little of that in there. You got to taste it. You got to tweak it. You got to do a whole lot of things before you're going to present it to the world as being gumbo, man. And you got a chance to see what gumbo got a chance to be the other night. Electric easy cheese and he throw them little small ones we used to talk about that you'd be squinting your eyes trying to see them little pebbles coming up there man what a great time to get him man no doubt and the fact that what he can provide on the bullpen like david price did for the rays way back in, in 2008 and i think about this starting five and i just talked about this with dallas braden and we're talking about all these young pitchers but the way this five's vibing off each other right now, I'm not taking any of these guys out of the rotation. How do you feel about the five that Bob Melvin's putting out there in the starting rotation? Well, I don't think Bob Melvin is putting them out there. I think they're putting themselves out there, and I think that's always been a glaring strength of this team as well is that there's so much competitive or excuse me, competitive balance throughout the roster at every position, and guys are fighting for playing time. Guys are trying to achieve – goals and put up numbers so they can continue to get an opportunity to play. We've got guys that have been considered by other clubs. I was sitting with a couple of scouts last night that were saying, I can't believe what I'm seeing Mark Canna do because he was an up-down fourth-fifth outfielder evaluated him a couple of years ago. But when you don't have them, you you can't appreciate the value that they bring every day because you don't get a chance to smell their breath or, or feel their heart rate like the club does. So it's great that they have that you look down in AAA, the Dark Knight is really doing well down there. Uh, you look at John Manaya, he might be a guy that you might consider. James Caprillion down in AA. I mean, it just gets better and better when you look at the moves that have been made in the past and how they may have some type of impact on the present. So it's just so intriguing. It's so wonderful to see the moves that have been made. You and I can sit up here all day and talk about some of the things that have happened in the catching department, but we never would have thought that we would have got the production that we have. But once again, guys are seeking the opportunity. Garneau was on the scrap heap. He did everything that you possibly could do to be an everyday starting catcher in his brief time. That just goes to show you when people are back into a corner, these top-rated, these top um, star players, when they're back in the corner, man, you get an opportunity to see how good they are. Right now, it seems like we just got a bunch of guys that's playing with their back in the corner, and they're going to fight their way out of it. You know, Marcus Simeon is not a rah-rah guy, but if you want to talk about one of the greatest examples of leading by example, plays every day, leadoff hitter, productive, 
overcame the issues of fielding and throwing and now is one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. Talk about how a guy doesn't have to be vocal but can be a great leader of a team. Well, I think if you go to www.professional.com, his picture probably will pop up because he exemplifies that in every way of the word. You say it, he does it. He goes out, he plays hard. You know, a couple of years ago, I saw Marcus and I asked him, I said, man, you don't talk much. I said, man, you're at the big leagues now. Don't be afraid to speak up a little bit. You know, do a few interviews, man. You know, raise your, uh, your brand a little bit. He said, shooty, all I do is put my head down and try to let my actions speak for themselves. And this is from a young man. And, you know, they don't typically call a young man wise because he really doesn't know anything. But you can tell that he's been well-raised, he's well-mannered, uh, he's the type of guy that you want to go to war with. He acts like he's been there before. If he makes a mistake, uh, the one mistake that I saw Marcus make, and he let his emotions show this year, was on a play at shortstop. And I think it preceded uh, Stanky Odor over in Texas trying to throw a forearm at him in a rundown play and disrupt the play, and it was a dirty play. And Marcus is not one to react in a way that quiet guys do when you finally make them mad. I mean, they turn into a Tasmanian devil and would tear up the place. And that's the kind of guy Marcus is, so you probably don't want to upset him. But I know he was steaming from that play. But most of the time, he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. He leads by example, and he is a true professional, and he's the type of guy that we should see his face all over billboards in the Bay Area as being homegrown, and this is what we represent because he truly represents the green and gold. Yeah, I want to see that contract extension for him, no question. Want to keep him here, his family, wife and kids. It's all about the Bay Area, being from Cal, growing up in San Francisco. He's a guy that's got to be here long term. I want to get into scouting because I'm reading the MVP machine, this book that just talks about how baseball has changed, the way we evaluate. You know, they go back to Moneyball, but the days, the Moneyball stuff, that's over. It's now all about technology. It's about radar. It's about these high-speed cameras. You know, just talk about the evolution from your time in baseball, from when you started to how you guys evaluate players now. (laughs) Well, it's just like everything else. Townie, I mean, life and the world evolved. I mean, it was a time when guys scouted and the guys that were successful, guys that didn't mind getting their cars and driving for miles and hours to find a player that they heard about and they didn't have anything to evaluate them but their eyes and their ears. They put their name on a piece of paper with a phone number, tell them to get in touch with them. Next thing you know, they're working out for this guy. The next thing you know, they're working for that guy. And who knows, you might get an opportunity. Now you've got to go on what you've seen, somewhat of what you heard and what you know. Now you have so much information to make decisions. Sometimes you can be littered with information and a guy can be confused. I played with a lot of guys that wasn't very smart when you start talking about school stuff. But when you're talking about instincts, you're talking about competitors, you're talking about guys that had an unwillingness to lose at no matter what, guys that fought, knew how to fight off pitches, how to make guys make mistakes, speed up guys' games. I mean, you name it. You know, they may not have been able to answer some of them questions about the Pythagorean theorem and all of that kind of stuff. Man, when they said play ball, though, you wanted them on your team. So I respect where everything is going. My whole main ingredient, hope, 
um, ideas and hope that we continue to keep the fans involved, keep their understanding of the game growing, and keep their interest high and hope that young boys and young men want to continue playing this great game because they're our future. And those are people that we have to appeal to because they're the ones that are going to grow the game. So I don't want it to get too confusing. You know, let's play ball, let's see ball, let's hit ball. Now, if you can tell me something and prove it to me and show me how it's going to make it easier for me to do that, I got my ears wide open because you know you had that shillelagh in your hand. And man, oh man, it's a tough thing to do is to put bat on ball, especially when you got somebody out there trying to keep you from doing it, man. You you want not only to have great athletes and you want guys w- with great upside and potential, but also how important is it for you as a scout to make sure you're finding the right guys, that you're finding good guys because – Bad guys don't work in the A's clubhouse. It's it just, it's not, you, you got to have a certain attitude. And if you don't have the right attitude, you're not going to survive in the A's clubhouse. It's a very unique place. Talk about how you got to not only find skilled guys, but you got to find the right guys. Well, there are boxes when you're evaluating that tells you what is a guy's role. Stars define theirs just like role players do. And as soon as you understand which one you are and you try to make sure that you excel in that role, I think the better off you're going to be because whatever you do, you're going to affect the people around you. It's just like them little guys. They set the table for them big guys. There was a time that the only time guys pitched in the stretch is when a guy got them out of the windup, and that's when he started making mistakes because guys on the bases speeded them up and they made mistakes. But you better understand your role, and you better come to the yard every day wanting to fulfill that. There's only 25 guys on the roster, and there are guys waiting and fighting and scratching to get one of those spots. And you may hear me say it over and over, and it may become redundant, but I think it's so great that you have a roster where nobody can just sit there on their laurels and talk about what they've done and not worry about what they're going to do. Somebody's always looking to take your job, and you have to love the way that these guys pull for each other. I mean, it's hard to pull for somebody when you're the 24th man sitting on the bench and getting run and getting high-fived, and, you know, you're getting to play once a week. But, man, when you're playing that once a week, I don't care what you do. They've got an expectation for you, and you better go ahead on and fulfill that role. And that's where Bob Melvin comes in, because if there is a skipper out there that communicates with his players, whether it's good or bad, I think the number one thing for Melvin is that his guys shooty, and you can talk to this as a scout, you can talk to this as a former player, whether it's good or bad, you always know where you stand with Bob. Well, and that's why they call you a player's manager. I mean, this guy is, you're talking about seasoned. Uh, He's played in both leagues. He's managed in both leagues. He's scouted. He's been in player development. I mean, when you start talking about a resume, it's not many boxes that Bob Melvin can't check when it comes to uh, being qualified to work in this industry. But everything that he's been through and everything that he's learned, I think the one thing that he does among many is he really knows how to treat a guy. He really knows how to treat young players. He tries to put them in a position where they can't fail. And I think today, one of the most difficult things to do is to uh, have a great relationship with the people upstairs and have an opinion. When they respect what you do, and you can tell that Bob Melvin is not a bobblehead guy that he's constantly shaking his head up and down with everybody <laughs> tells him to do. He has, he has a heart rate. You know what I mean? You can tell by the respect that they give him by the way that he runs things down there. So, um, uh, like I said, man, I, I work with Bob. Uh, we were together uh, in Arizona. We scouted together uh, with the Mets. 
Um, this is a guy that has an even kill. His demeanor never changes. Uh, you would consider him a true gentleman. I think that's probably the highest compliment that you could pay to any man is to call him a gentleman. And Bob Melvin, Melvin is truly that. Hey, we're going to see you down at fantasy camp, right? Man, look here. One of my favorite times of the year. Um, I'm looking forward to it because there's been some changes. There's been some young energy. Matt Langston and his group are doing some things that's going to make it fabulous this year. Dallas Braden bringing his new energy and the new group of guys that they're bringing in. Uh, if you're an A's fan, talk to some of the guys that have been to the fantasy camp in the past. The Steve Douglases, the Mike Mellows. Uh, it, it's an incredible lifetime friendship. You meet guys or people or ladies that have an impact on you for the rest of your life. The fans get an up-close and an intimate relationship with some of the players that they've only seen from afar, that they never even knew that they were these type of guys. For example, there are not many people that knew Dave Stewart was as loving and engaging and as uh, truly a great person as he is because all they saw was about two inches of eyeballs staring down them hitters at the plate and just fork bowling and fast bowling to death and staring them down as he pimped off the mound. So, but now when you're in fantasy camp, like me, to get a chance to meet my childhood idol, Burt Campaneris, who's born on the same day as I am, me, Burt Campaneris together, coaching and being together in fantasy camp. I am in fantasy camp myself, man. <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to see me. Hey, I paid my own way to come down there. They don't don't tell them I said that, man. But look here, I look forward to coming to Fantasy Camp, Tony. All right, we're going to have to have Cody get that out of the interview. He is not paying his own way, but he would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you, you're like standing there, and you're like you're like looking at guys that are, I mean, Vita Blue's going to be there. You're talking about a guy who's, he was a rock star of rock stars in the 70s. I mean, you're around guys that are part of the history of the game, world champions, MVPs, Cy Young Awards. This is greatness you're around. And, you know, the great part of it is that it's unedited. It uh, can be rated R at times but you're around a bunch of grown folks and you get it straight from the guy's lips. And a lot of times these things that you wonder when you're looking at them on TV or you read about, you get a chance to ask them because after about three or four days, they really make you feel like you're one of the guys. You get there, you've got your major league uniform, you've got your locker room, you're showering in the clubhouse, you're having dinner and meals. I mean, after three or four days, man, you understand what it's like being part of fantasy camp and you can't wait to sign up for the next year. And it, it, it's just a beautiful thing among fans and former players. And uh, there's a rumor I might be making an appearance. Hey, Tony, I hope you healed up from that rotor cuff, man, because I almost killed Marty Lurie one year throwing that soft stuff he had up there. I don't think he's been on the mound since talking all that crap, man. So, um, I know you got to change up in the fork ball, but you better go talk to somebody about spitting on it or something, man, so you can make it sink, bro. Uh, oh, I'm talking about raising the level of the nighttime activity, not the daytime. <laughs> oh, you're the best, cuz. You are the best. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll see you out at the ballpark. You're the best. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Tony. Go A's. The great shooty Babbitt. There is no league bigger than this league. Once again, A's Fantasy Camp, athletics.com slash fantasy camp. That's athletics.com slash fantasy camp. We're going to have to make an appearance. 
Just have to see what's going to happen with the Raiders if they make the postseason or not. But if they don't make the postseason, then we should have we shouldn't have a problem. January 9th through the 14th. Man, everything is starting to come together for the athletics in so many different ways. There's just so many good business things happening for the A's. The ballpark's on track. We're going to talk to Dave Cavill on Sunday. By the way, a little forward promotion. We are going to be doing A's Cast Live. Normally, we don't do it on the weekends, but Giants are going to be in town. We're going to have huge crowds. We will be on the field tomorrow before the game. We're going to be on the field on Sunday before the game. What are we looking at time-wise, Commander? What are our what are our times Saturday and Sunday? We'll be on the air tomorrow, streaming tomorrow from three to five p.m. and then Sunday from ten to noon p.m. Ten to noon, and Dave Cavill's joining us for the build on Sunday at what time? Uh, ten thirty tomorrow. So far, we have lined up uh, the Hall of Famer. This is gonna be on the phone, but still, he's gonna be on the program. Goose Gossage. Oh, three thirty. Goose, love the goose. And we're gonna have Carney Lansford and Terry Steinbach on around I think, I think four o'clock. Talk nineteen eighty nine, and we're honoring these guys on Sunday. We're supposed to tape an interview with Kurt Young, former ace pitching coach. Oh, I love Kurt. And now friend Giants, of the program and Giants pitching coach now. And we're hoping and efforting an inter- the last sit down interview for the Beard series with Bruce Bochy. Bochy on Saturday or Sunday? Well, we can play it either day. We're gonna probably tape with him tomorrow. Yeah, hoping that, that we, the Giants help us out with that and come through that. I mean, they helped us with, with Farhan and, and Stephen Vogt, So, yeah. No, that would be great. So give the times again for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday, 3 to 5, and Sunday from 10 to noon. Money. Money in the bank. Those are the type of shows you get here on A's Cast Live. And this is, I mean, not, not only is this, and I don't want to jinx anything, But not only is this, you know, extending what you have, you also could be knocking the Giants completely out of contention. Because right now, they had their moment. They're now six back in the NL wild card for the second spot. Right now, your leader is the Nationals by two. As the Nationals, by the way, You've got to give Rizzo a lot of credit. You think about what they've been through and where they are now. The Washington Nationals are like a fighter with a really good chin. They've been knocked down, but they've gotten back up. And they started out, they were horrible. They were absolutely horrible to start the season. They're now 71 and, 15, uh, 71 and 57 with a two-game lead. And how about the St. Louis Cardinals? They have now overtaken the Chicago Cubs. And the Chicago Cubs are now the second wild card team because they're just 5-5 five and five in their last 10. What is the problem with the Cubs? They stink away from Wrigley. I mean, really, they are bad. They're 25-39 and 39 on the road this year versus the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. They're 44 and 20. They're dominant at home and they are terrible on the road. And you know who's the hottest team in the second half? 
Who has the best record in the second half? Let's see. Are you fast enough to – who has the best record since the All-Star break? Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. It's so funny you told me to get that we had, got, had this ready. Mets superfan Sarah Langs was just texting me, asking me, why do the A's and Giants have an off day on a Friday? And then I gave her the stat of how the last time they did that was in 1980, and she goes, I don't know how I missed that. Look at that. Commander Cody filling the stats expert in with some nuggy nugs. All right, is she going she gonna to quote you, Sarah Langs from MLB.com? Is she going to give us a little love here on Ace Cast Live, the, the number one downloaded podcast in Major League Baseball? I'll have to find out. I'll ask her. I know she, she liked the tweet I sent out, though, about us being number one. So Sarah's listening. She's a, she's a she's not a friend of the program. She's like a best friend of the program. She's been oh, here more than the most best. people. She's the best. The Mets, and she's a Mets fan, they have the best record since the All-Star break at 27-10. and 10. And I hate to tell you, Cody, the Mets aren't uh, – they're not, they're, they're, not, they're not running their ship on analytics. Nikki Calloway's going to buy his gut. There, I don't. You were. I didn't get chance to talk to you about this. Rick Renteria, the manager of the White Sox, said the same thing. He goes, "I'm not going to appeal to the sabermetrician every day." Um, sorry, that's why you're not doing very well. And with the White Sox, you're building towards the future. You know, good for you when you probably are going to get replaced. Like you in Chicago with the Cubs, and they're yeah. Gu- but here's the thing. This is the thing that gets me. Is that these guys? It's like we're not dealing with sabermetrics anymore. That's if you read the, the the MVP machine, like pages eight and nine, I started reading it on the flight to Winnipeg. It's all about technology now. It's not math equations. Moneyball was math equations, right? Even to this day, if you go, like, just try and figure out how you figure out war or weighted runs created plus, or da, 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 there are math equations. The thing about baseball now is how do we make players better? Through technology, through Rapsodo, through cameras, through TrackMan, it's technology that's making these guys better. It's not evaluating, you take this and times it by that, and you get this and then add this. And that. Those math equations, those, that, those days are over, and that's what's great about it. The MVP machine, the book, it gives money ball it's due, but that's now archaic. It's all the different – it's radar, it's, it's stat cast. Like David Force told us. David Force has stat cast. I don't know why we don't have it, but David Force has stat – he's watching the A's game. He's getting the information on stat cast, on everything, how far the ball's hit, launch angle, how far an outfielder's running to make the play. All this technology to tell you about players is there and how to make players better. It's not sabermetrics. Those days are the baseball reference page that you go to. It does, it's wouldn't you agree, Cody? It's like those are those math equations don't matter anymore. No, it's it's all about as they talk about in the book MVP machine. It's all about player development and player development is the number one thing. It's using technology to make players better. I'm sorry. Do you think the team saw that Chris Taylor was going to be this good or Max Muncie? We saw that happen for example. Like, They're a big part of the first uh, part of the book. And then Trevor Bowers, he's part of the book, too. His is more of a mental brain thing. But I They mean, talk about him going to driveline and about him developing pitches based off the technology that you see the ball coming out of his hands. That has nothing to do with a math equation. All righty. Coming up next, 
He's a new Hall of Famer. Friend of the program. Great to have him back. The great Vita Blue is going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Beat on. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town. Only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, we are definitely scoreboard watching here on a Friday. Players weekend. I still think the best nickname is Shane Bieber. His nickname is not Justin. <laughs> Josh Reddick is going with Mr. Irrelevant. Our own Mike Fires is Smokey. How about Eric Thames, the Bay Area kid, Bellman Prep? Eric Thames is E.T., so his nickname is Phone Home. I'm not sure if all of you got to see E.T., but kind of famous movie, E.T., Steven Spielberg. Cody, did you see E.T.? Phone. Did you Home. see it? Yes, I've seen okay. it. Isn't that uh, I never know. Is that Elijah Wood that's in it? The kid from Lord of the Rings? God, I wouldn't even remember. I'll, I'll, I'll look up the IMDb page. Yeah. Smokey for Mike Fires. I dig that. So I, I, I had... I, I know this is like a hit or miss. Like some people like their like like the jersey. I'm looking at the uh, the Rays are where the Rays have the same thing as the A's. It's white and and silver. I like it. I got one says Towny on the back, and then uh, Lou Trevino was a big fan of the jersey. To where I know some other people were not a big fan of the jersey. Dave Roberts said it looks like they're wearing an ugly Christmas sweater. Are, do, they, do the Dodgers have the same one? No, I think the NL has uh, all black jerseys. Oh, okay. That's why I'm looking at uh, Atlanta. No, who is this? The Nats are in all black. That's just that's just a weird look. All right, scoreboard watching. Washington has defeated Chicago. They had a uh, Friday day game and on the north side. And Washington beat Chicago 9-3. to This lead in the wild card is going to be uh, ending real soon for the Athletics as Tampa Bay will take a very small lead as Tampa right now is leading Baltimore 7-0 in the bottom of the third. And the all-time home runs given up in a season record continues to go up for the Baltimore Orioles. They continue to give up more home runs. So Tampa already up 7-0 at Camden Yard, so not going to get any love from the Baltimore Orioles. Just to reality, we'll get into the schedule game about uh, who's got what coming up here. But the A's will still be in play tomorrow. They will have the second slot inside the wild card race. With Cleveland, is Cleveland playing tonight? Isn't it weird? It's like Friday. You're like, eh. Cleveland right now leading Kansas City 4 nothing in the bottom of the third. 
So there will be a tie for the second wild. It'll be a virtual tie for the second wild card, I believe, between the athletics. If everything stays the same way, Tampa wins, Cleveland wins. It's a dogfight down the end. It's a three-team race. Unless the Twins come back to the pack, it's going to be Oakland, it's going to be Tampa, and it's going to be Cleveland. We're waiting for Vita Blue, one of the new Hall of Famers for the Oakland Athletics, as we've talked about for a long time. With the storied history of this franchise, with the nine world titles, and all the different Hall of Famers, I mean, year after year, you've got all these different players that you can be putting in. So you're going to have Tony LaRussa, Vita Blue, Burt Campanaris, Mark McGuire, and former A's owner Walter Haas will be enshrined in the 2019 Athletics Hall of Fame. The ceremony is going to be Saturday, September 21st, when the A's take on the Texas Rangers. It was really cool the first time around, and I just think year after year, there's been so many good players. And at some point, you're going to need to start adding the guys from Philly. Because... The Philadelphia Athletics back in the day are some of the greatest baseball teams of all time with so many Hall of Famers. And how cool would it be like to bring, uh, I mean, the great-great-grandson of Lefty Grove and have him do the speech? That would be awesome. And when you move into the new ballpark, I haven't seen St. Louis. But, so like St. Louis... I, I, is like a must. You got to see their Hall of Fame that they have. I know the Green Bay Packers have supposedly an unbelievable Hall of Fame, and why wouldn't they with their storied history in in the National Football League? Well, the A's have that. You know, I got to give the Giants credit, and that's something that the Giants started doing. And when, really, when they moved into what was then Pac Bell Park is you honor your history. They hadn't won a title in San Francisco, but they were honoring their New York history. Why not? Not only should you honor the greatness that has been the Oakland Athletics, but you've got to honor the greatness of the Philadelphia Athletics because those teams were incredible in the history, as Susan Slusser has in her book, 100 Things You Need to Know and Do Before You Die as an A's Fan. You need to read up on these guys. They were absolutely legit. I'm going to the Philadelphia Athletics right now. I should just go to Oakland. and wait. That's a different Philadelphia Athletics. But those guys, you think about all the Hall of Famers. And, it, it, and that's why when you look up and you go to an A's game and you see all the championships. These guys were battling the big, bad New York Yankees back in the day. Can you imagine going to those series? So they won the World Series 1910, 1911, 1913, 1929, and 1930. 
So they've won more World Series in Philadelphia than they have in Oakland. Oakland's got the four, 72, 73, 74, and 1989, who we're going to honor on Sunday. But you think so. How about the pennants that they've won, the American League pennants? 1902, I mean, look at this history. 1902, 1905, 1910, 1911, 1913, 1914, 1929, 1930, 1931. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. It actually is pretty amazing. When you look at some of these storied franchises, like you go back through their history and how long they've been playing. Like some of these teams, you go back into 18-whatever. But when you're going back for this franchise and you're going back to the early 1900s, they played at Columbia Park from 1901 to 1908. Scheib Park, no, that's not the bar down the right field line that we used to call the, the, the West Side Club. I've had a few in that place. But Scheib Park from 1909 to 1954. Then they played a municipal stadium from 1955 to 1967 and then moved out west, and I can't believe it says this on Wikipedia. It does say Ring Central Coliseum. But they've been in the Collie since 1968. The Coliseum was built in 1966. And as great as the Coliseum, and that's why, you know, at some point you need a new stadium. Yeah, you need a new stadium. And I'm glad that the A's are going to honor this great stadium and this great field, and they're going to keep the field around because that field has so many great memories and so many great the, – the thing about the field, what's great that they're not going to get rid of the field is not only do you think of all the great baseball players, but you also think about – and that's something we actually talked with Vida about last time we had him on is Blue Moon was also in town. So we had Vida and Blue Moon. And they, it, it was touching to them that the A's are going to keep the field there at the Coliseum. I mean, they're going to tear down Mount Davis and all that stuff and make make a smaller around. They're going to keep the actual turf. They'll build a new little stadium around it where all kids, hopefully at some point, high schools and everything in the East Bay will be able to play at. But they're keeping a field where some of the greatest football players, some of the greatest baseball players, have played on that turf. You think of all the Hall of Famers in Major League Baseball and all the Hall of Famers in the NFL who played on that field, it would be so sad to see it go. But luckily, because of Dave Cavill, Chris Giles, and the rest of the management team, that is not going to happen. All right, we're efforting to get Vita Blue. Are you calling him right now? Okay, we're going to hopefully get Vita Blue right now. A switch-hitting MVP, by the way, back in the day. Before the DH, when he won the MVP, a switch hitter. The last switch hitter to win the MVP in the American League. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Welcome to Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend. We're efforting, as we like to say in the business, 
for Vita Blue. Efforting. As we want to promote Vita going into the Hall of Fame in September. I think the New York phone number we have, I think that throws people off. And I sent Vita a text to remind him, like, hey, 5 o'clock, New York phone number, just, uh, just to give you a heads up so you're not thinking that someone from the league, you know, someone from the league office is calling. It's just, it's just us. I think, but I think for some people, it throws them off when they see that. David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, is going to join us at 5.30. And I want to ask him a few questions because I've just started reading the MVP machine, how baseball's new nonconformists are using data to build better players. And just reading the first chapter, pages 8 and 9, kind of really tells you everything you need to know about what's going on. And actually, 7, 8, 9. Because they went into last year's World Series, right? And they went into last year's World Series and said, okay, just look at some of the names of guys that were in this World Series. Rich Hill. Justin Turner. Chris Taylor for the Dodgers. J.D. Martinez, Nathan Avaldi, players that were given up on. Players that no one wanted, really. They weren't primetime guys. The Astros said, see you later, J.T. Mart- J.D. Martinez. How many of you even knew who the hell Chris Taylor was? Justin Turner, the Mets said, beat it. These guys all went. And this is something that is tough for the front offices and tough for the coaching staff. And this is something that we'll get into with David Force, how he feels about it. By the way, David Force is in this book. And they talk a lot about, in the very beginning, what I've read so far, they talk about Moneyball. And it's really like the stuff that we talked about with, David before about how what they did years ago with Moneyball has now changed and David says in the book well this technology wasn't around so I mean how could you use it it didn't exist they tried to find guys let's say as they say in the book old man justice David justice well the Yankees are willing to pay a lot of his salary what does David justice do he gets on base Scott Hatterberg can't throw anymore. What does he do? He gets on base. He throws the club head at the ball, and when he connects, it he drives it. It pops off the bat. You can hear it all over the ballpark. You can hear it all over the ballpark. But what this book is now telling us, and we had uh, Travis Shachik, the one of the the co-author, and this is a book everybody's in baseball is reading right now. I, I really feel bad that I'm, I'm kind of – we got the book a while, and I'm just getting into it, but I'll have it done by next week. Um, you have so many players going to these outside coaches, whether it's the drive lines of the world. We did the uh, – we talked to the pitching ninja, and then we had what – was the, what was the pitching farm in Texas? The Texas Baseball Ranch. Trevor Bauer, that's where I learned about that from was the book because Trevor Bauer – they talk about him going there. So he, he goes to drive line. He goes to the pitching ranch. They do mention in this book that you're a player and you're using an outside coach. That becomes like your hitting coach in the offseason. 
Now you come back to the regular season. How tough is this on, let's just say, the Scott Emerson's, Bush, the hitting coach? How tough is this on them? Who's teaching who? How are you changing? How do you change with the with your coach in the offseason, your personal coach, and how does that vibe with your actual hitting coach during the regular season? How do you handle that? And now Major League Baseball teams are starting to hire these coaches that you've never heard of. But what's great about this, they're calling it a revolution. Part of the book that I really liked is, you know what it shows? It shows that human beings really don't have a ceiling. We think you have a ceiling. And people try and put a ceiling on us, all of us. Well, Chris Townsend can only do this when it comes to radio and television. The question is, do I buy that and do I believe that or do I think I can improve? Do I think I can get better? Do I think that, you know what, where I am in my career at my age, because usually this, you know, you're in your prime at this age. Is there ways or things that I can do that make me better? For example, Rich Hill. Rich Hill did that. Rich Hill discovered spin rate and his breaking ball. Rich Hill was done in baseball. He was absolutely done. Next thing you know, you saw him with the A's, now with the Dodgers, at his age. It just goes to show we have to stop like scouts, front offices, and for you out there in life and what you do. With the right training and the right methods, you can go beyond what your ceiling is. So when everybody's like, ah, it's juice ball and all this kind of stuff, it actually really is fascinating how these players are making themselves better. And they're using technology to do it. Is that any different than Silicon Valley? The, the, the most powerful, fastest-growing businesses in the world are technology companies. Look what Amazon, look what Apple, look at Google, down the line, Oracle, Adobe, you name it. How they they just continually improve their businesses and continue to rake more and more money and become more and more valuable and such a huge part of people's everyday life, always striving to get better and using technology to do it. Well, baseball players are following along. Actually, all athletes are following along, and all teams are following along. It wasn't that long ago, I want to say it was 2016, that the Oakland Athletics, excuse me, not the the Golden State Warriors, were the, they have a, I can't remember exactly what the uh, award is called, but they look at, franchises, they're at the best of using data and analytics. And the Golden State Warriors, I believe, won that award. Cody, look up that award. I can't remember. Do you know what the award is? 
can't remember what it is. It's back east. Oh, the Warriors one that they got from? I'll check it. Because the Warriors won before. it in 2016, and then the Astros won it in 2017. And the Astros have really been at, at the forefront of this. Jeffrey Luno, the general manager there, what he did in St. Louis and bringing it his style Bring it to uh, the Houston Astros. It's the MIT Sloan Sports Analytic Conference and the Warriors back in 2016, best analytics organization. So the Warriors won it in 2016. Astros won it in 2017. And I have no clue who won it in 2018 or if they've even decided this year. I just remember when the Warriors won it, and remember Joe Lacob basically saying, yeah, we're smarter than everybody else. Well, for what they did for years, it worked. Let's see who uh, the Memphis – who won it? Who was last year's winner? As Commander Cody is efforting trying to find that right now. But the revolution is how do we make – humans better how do we make them better at baseball how do we not say this is what this guy does and this is the only thing he does no we want to be better than that we want to make every single player all 25 guys at the big league level all the guys at the minor league level how do we make them better how do we make the players we have better and not a, and this is what the Astros have been good at, and so do the A's, is looking at others people, other people's organizations saying, well, if we got this guy, we could also make him better. We'll talk about that next and so much more with the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force. The David Force Show, up next on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend, right here on A's Cast. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN and MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. And when I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to Ace Cast Live. I've actually always wanted to do this. I wanted to be the guy that brought us back from commercial break because Tony, Tony used to have to step aside for a second. So welcome back to Ace Cast Live. Tony is, Tony is now back. I found the organization. 20. Can I can I have enough time to go to the bathroom for God's sakes? That's why I'm here. You do know, being a business owner, I do know that it's California law that you have to give people ample time to be able to go to the bathroom. We had a three minute break there. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, the the ward last year was Houston. The year before that was the Chicago Cubs, and then the Warriors. So Houston won the most recent one. The Astros. Houston won in 2018. Yeah, they won the award for 2018, and then the Cubs in 2017, and then the Warriors. So it went, the Warriors won it for the 2015 year they won the NBA Finals, and then the Cubs won it for the World Series that they won, and then the Astros for the World Series they've won. So we'll, they'll probably say Boston's going to get it in the, ne- the following year. So if you win the title, you get the, you get the award? That's what it seems like. Although a couple years ago they gave Billy Bean the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Sloan Analytics really? Conference. Yeah. Well, get David Force. Let's go. I'm ready to rock. The David Force Show. A lot to get into, as David's got to be. I mean, come on. You've got to be absolutely thrilled 
I mean, thrilled with, with, with this outcome of three out of four from the Astros and sweeping the Yankees. I mean, let's be honest. 21 games over 500. Can't wait to talk to him about his starting rotation. Got to talk to him about the duct tape guy. Duct tape, the new nickname for me for Mark Canna. I mean, Mark Canna has just been absolutely fabulous. It is now time for the David Force Show here on A's Cast. David, what a week for your ball club. Hey, Chris, how are you? Yeah, it's uh, not, a, not, a bad, uh, not a bad couple series. Yeah, I just, I looked at this stretch at like you know it can make you or it can break or break you, and it made you three out of four from Houston. You sweep the Yankees, and now the thing that I love here on August twenty third, your destiny is in your own hands. That's got to feel good. It does, yeah, and 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 these guys deserve it the way they've played. I mean, we still have you know more than a month, thirty plus games to go, but uh, the way they've played over the last week. They certainly deserve to control their own destiny because we knew this was going to be a tough stretch, seven games at home, and to win six out of seven, uh, pretty impressive. And just this this five you got going right now, your starting five, they have been fantastic. How proud are you of this five that you've put together? They're doing a great job, yeah. I mean, everybody sort of felt early in the year like starting pitching was going to be an issue. and I mean, you know, Mike Fires since mid-April has been as good of an ace as you can ask for. And, uh, you know, this is, I think, the first time Brett's made 25-plus starts in, in a few years. And, and then Tanner and Homer have come in and, and fit right in. So it's been, it's been fun to watch. Yes, it has. And, you, you know, you got some young reinforcements going. But uh, for me, where you are right now, I mean, unless they're knock on wood is something that happens to a guy, these are the five you're probably going forward with, right, till the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think we have some opportunity in September to, uh, you know, to take some of the burden off them. We'll add to the bullpen. Sean Manaya will uh, will hopefully be ready by then, and and you could potentially give guys some time off or, or short, like I said, shorten a game up maybe one time through the rotation. But these guys don't show any signs of uh, of slowing down. So yeah, we're going to go out there every five days. And I think about a couple Fridays off, which is just so bizarre for us. That, that work in baseball, but just how big is that for you down the stretch where you're getting these days off on a Friday? For sure. Any, any time off this time of year is great to give, you know, give a starter five days of rest or, you know, give guys like Piscotty and Pinder who are a little banged up an extra day off. So whether, <laughs> look, it's all Groundhog Day from February to October for these guys. So whatever the day off is, they'll take it. Okay, so that's why, you know, they, they, hey, we're just taking it day by day. And, of course, here, we're going to scoreboard watch. We're going to project. We're going to – do you scoreboard watch at this time of the year? And if you don't, when do you start? Uh, I do, yeah. I mean, we have, you know, we have the luxury of seeing the East Coast games come on at 4 o'clock. So, uh, it's a nice little break up to the work day. So, we're, we're watching the Rays and the Indians and the Twins and, uh, you know, keeping tabs on the Astros and, yeah, we'll uh, we'll watch. We we know when we've got a good scoreboard day versus versus not. AJ Puck makes his debut against the New York Yankees, and we all got to see. It's like you know the the Kraken is awakened. What was it like watching your one of your prized prospects make his debut against the Bronx Bombers? Honestly, I kind of wanted to throw up a little bit. 
<laughs> it's, uh, it's, ner- it's nerve wracking. I-, I was thrilled that Bob got him in there. You know, we talked about it. You know, Bob typically likes to get these guys a quote soft landing, but look, this is a guy who's pitched in big games, college and the minor leagues. He's got big time stuff. So I thought it was a great spot to get him in against seven, eight, nine, a couple lefties. Uh, I think the adrenaline got the best of him a little bit, but uh, he got a big out, and, and ultimately Liam came in and cleaned it up, but uh, thrilled to see him get his uh, his feet wet. You know, it's funny that you say that. My daughter got the lead role in Peter Pan, so she's Peter Pan, and I remember when it started, I felt like I was going to throw up. I mean, I was sweaty. <laughs> I was clammy. She had, like, 84 lines. So I know what you're feeling. It's like this. these guys mean so much to you that when he comes out, it's, oh, I, I, can, I totally know how you feel. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll I'll give you that. So watching your daughter do that is, is probably a bigger deal. But uh, but yeah, when you you know you bring a guy like that up, you want him to succeed badly. You want him to, to contribute and help the team. And uh, like I said, I, I think it'll be kind of smooth sailing now. He's got got his first outing in. We got two big games over the weekend. I, I imagine we'll see him out there on the mound again. So I got to talk to Ramon Laureano the other day when we were doing the show from the field, and he says he's feeling a lot better. We got to see him run, and we'll talk about Ramon in a second. But I got a new nickname for Mark Canna. It's duct tape because whenever you got issues, what do you do? You use duct tape. He's been your duct tape this year. I mean, I don't know who your team MVP is, but I got to tell you, what he's done for you this year and now playing center field is crazy. Yeah, he's uh, he's been huge. He, you know, filled in and right when Steven was out, playing center now when uh, when Ramon's out. And, and the other thing, he's you know basically hitting cleanup with with Chris scuffling a little bit. So uh, no, you're right. If you're you know looking for a team MVP, Mark's in the conversation because he has he's been huge everywhere. Well, and then I think about Ramon, and he was so hot before he got hurt. And, you know, I don't know much about a stress, a stress reaction. I know a stress fracture is awful. But watching him run the other day at full speed, where are we with your center fielder? He's making progress. Um, we have to be careful. Uh, you know, we don't we don't want to get back to where we were on August 1st. And, and the idea – has been to let the stress reaction cool down. Um, you know, what happens is if you push it and push it, it does turn into a stress fracture and then, then you're done for the year. We know that to be the case. So uh, we let it cool down. He feels better. We're still waiting to see how he feels post running the other day, uh, but he's able to hit and run and throw, I'm sorry, hit and throw. Uh, he's actually going to go see some, take some at bats against Daniel Gossett in a uh, simulated game today. So, He's getting his work in, and once once we feel like we can push it a little bit and run him, then he'll be ready to jump right in. Certain injuries are about patience. How tough is it for you to make sure that the athlete stays patient and also you need to stay patient? Yeah, it's more about keeping him patient. We, we understand the big picture, and this is the player we expect to have for the long haul. So from an organizational standpoint, from the medical team, they know the right thing to do. It's it's about keeping Ramon at bay a little bit. He wants he wants to be out there. He wants to push it, um, even though you know he obviously knows what's best for him. But he sees his teammates out there grinding. He wants to be part of it. So we've uh, we've had to kind of rein him in a little bit over the last few weeks. But uh, you know it's good to see a guy who wants to be out there. And, and as soon as he's ready. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to uh, let him out of the barn. Yeah, it's the old saying that sometimes you need to protect the athletes 
from themselves. And, you know, I asked Shooty Babbitt this, and I wanted to ask you because I, we were actually talking about yesterday on A's Cast Live about, about how Marcus Simeon, he's not a rah-rah guy. He doesn't say a whole heck of a lot. But the fact that he shows up every day, the way he plays every day, and you talk about leading by example, the shortstop play, leading off, so productive, playing every single inning of every single game. Because now we're getting in this, who's the MVP of the team? I don't know yet. As you said, we got a ways to go. But just talk about his leadership and doing it from a standpoint, not with his mouth, but with his actions. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to lead in this game. I think one of the great things uh, about our sport is you can do it a lot of different ways. In football, it's almost always the quarterback. And in basketball, everybody knows who's who's the best player on the floor. But, you know, we have guys who are who are more vocal than others. And then you have a guy like Marcus who, like you said, he just shows up to work every day. And he's as consistent, as stable as anybody we've had here. He's, he's out there 162 games. And, um, you know, and, and he works as hard as anyone. It's been pretty well documented uh, what he's done with his defense. Uh, obviously, you know, carried us offensively at times this year. So um, he's, you know, he leads one way. Matt leads another way. Uh, it, we've got a really solid group of guys. Yeah, that is always something about when you guys are winning, because it's tough to win every single year. But when you've had your runs, it's that clubhouse is just so solid. It, it is. It, it's such a good group. Is it tough to, to, to make sure you're building to always have a good group to know that the personalities are always going to fit like 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 a puzzle piece? It's it's a difficult thing. It's a little bit of chicken and egg as far as leadership and clubhouse chemistry and winning. I mean, obviously winning takes care of a lot of things and guys guys tend to enjoy themselves and like each other more when you win, but in order to get to that point, you got to have a good group and you know, you mentioned some of the other times in our recent history that we've won. There there's always been that group. You think about the teams from 12, 13, 14, and Josh Reddick and his big personality and Josh Donaldson being a vocal leader. Um, you know, you go back to the teams in the early 2000s and, um, and guys like Tim Hudson and, and Eric Chavez, Miguel Tejada all had little different personalities, but they all, they all led that group. So it's, uh, it is important to have those personalities. What's it like for you when you guys tee it up against the San Francisco Giants? <laughs> it's a little different than uh, than my previous 19 years. Um, you know, I talked uh, I talked to someone about Farhan the other day, and I, I said, "Look, there's no there's no conflict for me. I, I turn the TV on. We're not playing the Giants. I'm going to root for them because I'm I'm rooting for him, um, which is probably a little hard for some of our fans to hear. But uh, but it's very different. And uh, you know, we split with them last weekend. I certainly want to take both games this this weekend, but. But if we do, I'll be, uh, you know, be a little disappointed for him. But, uh, you know, it's been fun to have him and, and his wife and now new baby boy here in the Bay Area. So I'm looking forward to sitting with him the next two days. Yeah, and it's, it's a competition. I mean, it's just not about baseball. It's business. You're in the same market. You're fighting for the same advertising dollars. And it's just it, – I love it. I mean, the fact whether you're talking Yankees, Mets, or you're talking White Sox clubs, or, or, you, or you're talking Dodgers, Angels, there's just something special when two teams in the same market go after it. It's true. And, it, look, it's been great for the area that the Giants have played as well as they have this year. I don't think anybody – 
expected them to be in wildcard contention after the deadline, but they've played well. I think people in the area have talked baseball a lot and have paid attention. And uh, I mean, I don't look any further than our attendance numbers the next few days, because I think we're going to have a chance to put 100,000 people in that stadium over the weekend, and it'll be great. So I started reading the book, The MVP Machine, on the way to Winnipeg. By the way, scouting report, uh, David, you never need to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> well, I, I am interested in 80-yard football and all the metrics involved, so I might have to go there for that. Yeah, the Blue Bombers, very interesting. So I'm reading The MVP Machine. Uh, I didn't realize you were in the book. Have you read the book? I haven't read it yet. I, I spoke with Ben, ben, ben Lindbergh a little bit. Um, but I have not read it. Keith Littman, our farm director, who's the most important person to have read it, uh, was telling me the other day when I was in Arizona how great it is. And I'm looking forward to, to taking a look. But I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, just the start of the book, it really tells you it's it's about the revolution of how – Basically, you don't tell a player there's a ceiling. Don't believe that a player has a ceiling because you can make current players, no matter what their age, you can make them better. And you were talking about in the book about how, well, hey, back in the Moneyball days, we didn't have this technology that we have now that can help players get better. It's true. I mean, things have have changed so much. And and everybody talks about StatCast and what it's done for watching the game, not for evaluating the game, but you've got all these other tools uh, in the minor leagues, ways to get guys better. Obviously, obviously the, the driveline lab and techniques have gotten a lot of publicity about trying to add velo to pitchers, but there's, there's so many things out there that we can use now to, to help guys develop muscle memory, to you know, give them instant feedback, both position players and pitchers, that we just, we just didn't have 10, 15 years ago. Now, the only thing that, you know, and I'm right in the beginning of the book, that that they kind of bring up, and and I wonder how you handle this, is, you know, so many of your players now are players all around baseball. You mentioned driveline or or hitting coaches. They're going to somebody else in the offseason. What kind of conflict does that present you where you have your coaches that want to teach something, but a guy may have another coach that's away from your organization? I think you can kind of see where I'm going with that. I do, and, you know, it hasn't hasn't posed a problem yet for us. I think part of it is, you know, I mentioned Keith earlier, Gil Patterson, who who handles our pitchers in the minor leagues, are both forward-thinking, really open-minded guys, and I, I think they've done a great job of, you know, working with individuals who, who, you know, have a different style or have someone they use on the outside and say, hey, let's, let's incorporate that into what we're doing. In fact, Gil uh, and Scott Emerson, a number of people in our organization, went up to Driveline in May to meet with the guys there and, and try and learn something. Say, hey, if there's something we're not doing, we need to be open-minded to it. So I, I think our minor league staff does a great job with that. Is it still weird having a Friday off? <laughs> it, it was weird. I I played golf today, which uh, which I haven't done since spring training. So uh, that was that was a nice little getaway from the office. But uh, we'll we'll get back at it tomorrow. Great stuff. We'll see you tomorrow at the yard. Okay. Thanks, Chris. The David Force Show, exclusively right here on A's Cast. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Ron Wotus of the San Francisco Giants. He's a three-time World Series champion, very respected in the game. We'll talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. 
Ron Wotus is a former second baseman slash shortstop with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Been with the San Francisco Giants for years, a right-hand man to Bruce Bochy. Three World Series rings as the Giants are trying to make it into the wild card. Now they've kind of hit a little speed bump here. Just five and five in their last 10 games. They've lost four in a row. They're 63 and 65. They're a minus 56 run differential. But like anything else, everybody's got a shot. You're one hot streak away from getting into this thing. So right now the Giants are six games back of the Cubs for the second wild card. Do we have Ron? Ron, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the A's. How are you? I'm well, Chris. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you. We hear you loud and clear. And, you know, I think about your ball club. And I remember talking to Farhan uh, when we were over there in San Francisco. Uh, obviously, Farhan's a great friend. We've known him for years. But just the fact that at the end there at the deadline, the fact that they said, you know, we're going to give you guys a chance to try and get into this thing. What did that mean to, to, to your staff and to your players that they weren't giving up on you? Well, it means everything, Chris. Um, <clears throat> you know, we all play this game to get to the playoffs. You just don't play it to, to play and then go home. And, you know, we knew we were in a position um, that we could lose people, especially with Bumgarner and a lot of the chips that we had. And I thought he, he balanced it perfectly to uh, give us a chance to win and also try to get better for the future. And, you know, that's, that's all we can ask for because we've been in a situation a lot and there's very few times that we've deleted at the trading deadline. And when you do, it takes a lot out of your veteran players in your team. You know, you like to add, you like to get better um, because it does – give everybody a shot in the arm and no doubt about it, if anybody knows it it's you guys and your staff having won three world series you understand and i think there's quite a few organizations that understand all you got to do is get in and if you get in everybody's got a puncher's chance no doubt about it um we, we've proven that uh, we've had good success with the wild card games we had our ace going against somebody else's number three and to your point, it doesn't matter how you get in. You just have to get in. And that's the tough thing. I mean, getting in. And, you know, the A's right now are in a good position. We were. We faltered here as of late. But, you know, we had a good run in July. Um, we like to think we could duplicate that. And we're going to have to do that if we do want to get in. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, and we were just talking to David Force, the general manager of the A's, there's still a lot of baseball to be be played. And all you got to do is get on one hot streak and you're right back in this thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the way you have to look at it, despite, you know, I mean, you look, you get swept by the Cubs, and, and you're down. You, you don't want that to happen, but there's still plenty of baseball left. And uh, to yours and, and David's point, um, if you can reel off a, a good streak, um, now we, we have it a little tougher because there are a lot of teams to climb over, and, you know, we need help in that regard, but it's still very possible. we got to take care of our business. We have to win uh, as many games as possible starting tomorrow against the A's, and really that's that's all our focus is. Now, one of the great stories is Baby Yaz, Carl Yastrzemski's grandson. I mean, just to see the name on the back of the jersey and look at, you know, hitting for power with the OPS and the home runs, it's been a lot of fun watching him. 
Yeah, it is. You know, Chris, I'm originally from Connecticut, so uh, it's even special for me. I've been doing this my whole life, but when I was a young kid, you know, I was a Red Sox fan growing up. Growing up in Connecticut, you were either a Yankee or a Red Sox fan. And, of course, being Polish, Wotus is Polish, and the last great <laughs> Polak we had on the team was Ron Paranowski. And here comes Yaz, who was one of my favorite players. And, you know, I hate to tell Mike this, but his dad was one of my favorite players when I was a teenager growing up and watching him play. And now to have him on the club, it's special. Um, He's doing a great job. And I think the whole baseball world loves seeing that name, Yastrzemski, and and seeing what he's doing. I, I just heard that he passed his grandfather and home runs in his rookie year. So he's got to be feeling good, and the family's got to be really enjoying this. Yeah, growing up in Connecticut, it is, you know, when you start thinking there's a dividing line there, right? Everything north is going to be Red Sox. Everything south is going to be Yankees. And it's just to think that there's a state that doesn't have a Major League Baseball team, but, boy, there's a big dividing line between two franchises. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It's it's, it's split right down the middle. And – you know, that's that's the way it was growing up. And, of course, when I got over here with the Giants, you know, I, I never I never said that too loud because we were all Yankees, right? And Brian Sabian and, and, and the coaches and Rags and everybody. And I say that in jest, but uh, no question about it. A great rivalry back there on the East Coast. You guys have had one of the great runs in baseball, the three titles, uh, your relationship with Bruce Bochy, obviously very special. And not only the guys on the staff now, but the guys that were on the staff before. You mentioned Rags, and you think of the other uh, uh, coaches that were there with you. What has this run been like for you and Bruce Bochy with the San Francisco Giants? Well, it's, you know, it's been, it's really been unbelievable. Um, you know, Boch is obviously stepping down. He's retiring. And, you know, me personally, watching him go through this, um, I get emotional because, uh, you know, as coaches, we don't know when the end's going to be near, but you think what he's accomplished four world series, he's won three world series, you know, brought the first one to San Francisco. And you mentioned the core guys that were here, myself, rags, Gardner, uh, you know, flan was here, everybody that's been involved with that. Um, those are memories that you'll never, never forget. And, uh, you watch boats go through on his, his, his final sprint to, uh, each city and, you know, everybody's giving him something and wishing him well and, and, and pointing out the great career that he's had. And it's, um, it's, it's very sentimental. It's very touching. And, uh, you feel it too yourself, um, because you were along for the ride. You know, when I think about Bruce, let's say he takes a year off. Do you really think he's done, or do you think that maybe at some point we could see him back in the dugout? Well, you know, that's hard to say. I I expect, look, he's got a good scenario. He's going to retire as San Francisco Giants, and I'm a giant, and I'm sure he's going to stay involved in the game, and and why would he want to go anywhere else? Now, I think there's a lot of things that you sacrifice, uh, you know, doing this job as a manager. He's got – He's got kids, he's got grandkids, and a lot of them in the area now. So I think he's in a good situation. I would be surprised if um, if you did see him in a major league uniform, but I will not be surprised if I see, you see him involved with some other types uh, of baseball uh, that's out there. And, and I won't elaborate on that, but that's very, very possible. So when you guys are breaking down the A's, because that's what you guys are doing, getting ready for this series – 
The A's are now 21 games over 500. They just took three of four from Houston and just swept the New York Yankees. That's got to make you feel good. But when you look at this, uh, you look at this A's team. When you guys are evaluating and scouting, what do you see are the strengths of the Oakland A's? Well, you know, Chris, honestly, um, we don't see them a, a whole lot, but I think the biggest thing that jumps out, I mean, we just saw them the two games recently. Um, they put runs on the board, and, and they've done a very good job. Their pitchers have, have are, are very good as well. Petit's throwing well, and I think the biggest thing that jumps out right now is, you know, the hot streak. When you play a team, you like to play a team when they're a little banged up or, or they don't have the mojo going, but you just said it. The A's are hot. Um, we're coming off the other uh, end of the spectrum, but we had a day off. It's the Bay Bridge Series, and the beauty of baseball is uh, every day is a new day. So we'll be ready to play the game and uh, um, look forward to uh, facing the A's again for these, for these next two days. Let's end on this. When you guys come to an American League style and you go to American League ballpark, how do you like it? <laughs> well, you're talking to a guy that's been in his National League his whole life. Yeah. Um, even as a manager in the minor leagues for eight years, it was National League. And then I was a bench coach for 19 years. And, you know, personally for me, um, there's so many decisions to be made with the pitcher batting. You know, do you take him out? Do you pinch it? Um, keeping the, you know, as a player, keeping, staying in the game, you know, you're an extra player. You get to pinch it. You get to stay in the game. It's quite different than the American League uh, game. So, me personally, I don't enjoy it as much. And, you know, I don't enjoy it as much going into Oakland because you guys play with a DH. That, that's the guy's job. So, you do have a little advantage. We had a little advantage at home with the pitcher hitting. But now you, we got to face the DH, and uh, we'll plug someone into that role. But it is a different style of baseball, and I, I've been a National League guy my whole life. Ron, you're a class act. We've always appreciated having you on uh, the program. You guys have had one hell of a run in San Francisco with those three championships. Enjoy this last run with Bruce Bochy, and good luck to you guys the rest of the way. All right, Chris. Good being with you. Hey, and I wanted to mention, I, I think uh, Marty Lurie told me that your, grand, your grandfather, Bob Elliott, this is a big day for him in history. Did it happen today? Do you remember? Was this the uh, – Yes, my grandfather was Bob Elliott and uh, was the MVP in 1947. What happened on this day? Well, supposedly, from from Marty, the source said that he was thrown out arguing balls and strikes, and then his replacement, Bobby Hoffman, came in and had to pick up the bat, and he got thrown out calling balls and strikes, uh, arguing balls and strikes as well, which you, I've never seen that happen in my life. <laughs> yeah, this was at the end of my – we're looking at now, it's the end of my – my actual – my grandfather, so he was the MVP with the Boston Braves back in 47, right. played in the World Series in 48. But this is when he ended his career in 1952 with the New York Giants. Yeah, how about that? Uh, <laughs> That's um, a great story. Marty Lurie's the best, isn't he? He sure is. He, uh, he's he got all this stuff just like you. You guys are life. I know you know Marty well, and I really enjoyed being with you, Chris, and maybe we'll see you out at the ballpark. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll stop by and say hello. Great. Ron Wotus, three-time World Series champion. Put that up, Cody. And that's, of course, Marty Lurie.
So August 23rd, 1952, my grandfather Bob Elliott of the Giants is tossed from the Cardinal game for protesting strike two call, and his replacement, Bobby Hoffman, is also thrown out for arguing the third strike of the same at bat. <laughs> you know, when a Bumgarner, was it Bumgarner hit two home runs on opening day? Was it Bumgarner right to hit two home runs on opening day? Was it off Kershaw, too? My grandfather was like the last giant to do it, but it was in New York. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Vita Blue as we'll continue rolling on here. How about this show? How good is this? A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, we're going to effort our buddy Marty Lurie to have him on the program again. Remember... We're going to be doing A's Cast Live tomorrow and Sunday. Normally, we're off for the weekend, but Giants are in town. Going to be a big crowd, going to be really spirited, and we're honoring the 1989 team. Terry Steinbach, Carney Lansford are going to join us tomorrow. Going to be a, Give us the times again real quick. 3 to 5 tomorrow, Saturday, and 10 to noon on Sunday. Going to be good. Do we have, do we have Vita Blue? The A's legend. Vida, how are we doing hey today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for the uh, accolades. So, yeah, I found out about it about a month ago. I got a letter from uh, Mr. Cavill himself in indicating that I was part of the second wave of the uh, Oakland A's Hall of Fame class, along with Campanaris, I think, and uh, it was Mr. LaRusa and Mac McGuire and uh, uh, thank uh, Mr. Haas. So I'm pretty, pretty stoked about it, man. It's pretty cool. You know, when I when I think about you and, and your career with the A's and what you meant to the A's, and, and, and your group was so special. And last time we had you on, uh, Blue Moon was with you. Your group was so tight. They were so good. Yeah, you guys fought at times, but brothers fight. That's what happens. I mean, to win three. Chris we went three straight. Chris, we Chris, we Chris, we fought a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let me tell you something. My, my my mom would tell you how much my brother and I would fight, and I love him to death. But you know, I mean, your group is you know, there's only been two organizations to win at least three straight World Series. That's the Yankees and you guys. And to think that absolutely, and to think that we're all going to put a bow on this now with putting you in Campion of the Hall of Fame. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm happy for Campy too. He's very deserving of it, and uh, all of us are, man. But, uh, hey, man, I just, you know, as I tell folks now, when they walk up to me, I'm one of them on the golf course, hey, I, I enjoy watching you pitch. I just use the old Bill Belichick, just trying to do my job. Well, you were doing more than that because you were a rock star, and I think about someone who didn't grow up in a big city to where all of a sudden you become a national star. 
What was that like <laughs> for you as a young man? That's crazy. It was it was pretty crazy, man. I uh I you know, as I reflect on it now in this conversation, Chris, it was like like a fish being out of water, man. A kid from Mansfield, Louisiana going to the Big Apple and being on the cover of Look Life, Newsweek Time, and all that stuff. But uh, I was still representing the city of Oakland, which was a pretty uh, blue-collar town at that time. It still is. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think about your career. You're one of the guys, one of the only guys, that played both for the A's and the Giants, and you were good for both. You know, there's some guys that have played, but they haven't been good for both. You're the one guy that's really been good for both. Well, you're so kind, but let me. In all reality, I don't own. I don't own one of those green and gold, black and orange caps. That that I've never owned. <laughs> you can't do that. You got to pick one of no, the others. I, a fan. I can't do it. The team that plays the best, Chris, should win the game, and that's who I'm rooting for that night. Yeah, they're gonna Giants and the Athletics are gonna tee it up for two days starting tomorrow at the Coliseum. So two more games in interleague play, and when you think about Burt Campaneris. It's almost, you know, and I think about quite a few of the guys on your team as you're really being honored now all the time. You know, there's some guys who, you know, they got their due but didn't really get their due enough, and I think Campy's one of those guys. What do you think? I agree 100%, man. He's one of those guys that did his job, again, on a day-to-day basis, and uh, he was he was uh, a big part of that core that won the uh, three championships and the five divisional titles at one time, and uh like I said, Chris, I'm happy for him, and it's very deserving of Mr. Campaneris to get this. Of course, I see Joe Ruta, but, of course, last night, the uh, last two days, Mr. October was in town himself. So, I got yeah, he got a little FaceTime on the uh, telecast from the with the A's and the Yankees playing each other, and the A's, the A's look pretty strong, man. I'm really impressed with what they've done against Houston, of course, with the Yankees coming in for this series, and they swept them. So, they, they got it going on at the right time. The trick is to be playing the best ball at the right time, which is in August and September. No doubt about it. By the way, what was it like dealing with a young Reggie Jackson back in the day? <laughs> uh, I'm surprised you would ask that, man. But he was, he was as he described himself, he was the straw that stirred the drink. But it was great because he took the pressure off the rest of the ball team. And, uh, you know, I describe it as, you know, Joe Reeder would, would get a, a, a game-winning two-run double, but the headlines next day says, Reggie says so-and-so and so-and-so and so. So he was good for us because uh, a, a young player such as myself, he took a lot of pressure off me, and uh, I was glad that he got the headlines, but, again, we were just doing our job. Well, I think about you guys doing your job, and I think about Ken Holtzman, of course, the great catfish hunter, the Hall of Famer. What was it like you guys pushing each other in that rotation? Because it was a rotation that was second to none. Well, you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, uh, catfish would pitch a two-hit shutout and give the ball to me the next day, and I'd try to pitch a one-hit shutout. Uh, Ken Holtzman the next day would try to pitch a shutout, you know. And uh, it went on and on and on and on, and we did motivate each other. And that was the the, the inner team competition that I think was healthy. And I, I'm not sure if teams do that now, but uh, it was healthy for us, and we all uh, uh, lived up to the challenge. Oh, yeah, I think Ray Fossey talking about you guys only use five pitchers in a World Series. You'll never see that again. Yeah, I think that's a series where Daryl Knowles pitched in all seven games. So that's pretty cool, man, to have the uh, – 
the rotation. But most teams are successful from pitching, 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 and we were no different. What do you think it'll be like on September 21st when you step up there to the mic to give the speech and you're wearing that green Hall of Fame jacket? Well, it's going to be, hey, man, I, I don't know. I have emotions, but I'm a pretty emotional person. I, I wore my emotions on my sleeve. And uh, once again, Chris, a kid from Mansfield, Louisiana, that's come this far, uh, such a long way from, from what I started out as a draftee from the open A's back in 1968, 69. I don't know, man. I'm going to try to keep it intact. But uh, if it if it comes down to tears, that's okay. Real men do cry, man. Well, and you got a beautiful family, and you got grandkids, and you got those daughters. When you're looking at them, that's not going to be easy. You ain't lying. The, the daughters steal your heart, man, and my daughters are, are no different. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be a great time. And, uh, Again, to all the inductees, Mr. Campanaris, Mr. La Russa, and uh, uh, Mr. Haas family and and McGuire, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. And uh, we're the second class of Oakland A's Hall of Famers, and I'm very proud to be in in class two. Vida, you are the best, and make sure you hit them straight down the fairway. Hey, man, I had a rough day today, man, but I got it done. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, CT, take it easy, brother. Sorry about the mess, mishap on the phone call. I came in and set my phone down, and I walked away from it. You apologize to you and your and your listeners, but I had a great time, and thanks, you guys, for always honoring me and, and being a Vita Blue fan. Oh, we love you, Vita. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Oh, man, I've known Vita for a long time, and he really is the coolest cat. He had a rough day on the golf course, though. <laughs> what a class. Tony LaRusso, one of the greatest managers of all time. Vita Ballou, one of the great left-handers of his time. Cy Young, MVP. Burt Campanaris, both those guys, three-time World Series champion. The all-time home run leader for the Oakland Athletics, Mark McGuire. And the Haas family getting a chance to honor their father, Walter Haas, who so many people believe is the best owner in Oakland A's history. You know, Charlie Finley had the had, had the had the three World Series titles. Walter had a shot at that. But when anybody talks about Walter Haas, uh, about what a man he was, and to work for him, people just they're glowing about it. And we should rejoice as A's fans that we're doing this. Should have a Hall of Fame. When you have this much when you have this much success, you need to celebrate it. You need to celebrate your history. Because that's what's cool about baseball is your history. Yeah, you want to focus on now. It's about winning now, getting in the postseason, but also focusing on who you are and what's made you what you are. You know, last year, it was Ricky, it was Catfish, it was Eck, it was Raleigh, it was Reggie, Stu. That's a class. This class is incredible, too. But how about that class? And I think every year for years, we could be saying the same thing. There are so many guys to honor. And like I said, at some point, you're going to get into honoring players from Philadelphia, the great Philadelphia Athletics. And then when 
we open up the new ballpark in 2023 and you have the Hall of Fame walking through that Hall of Fame with all the greatness and the Hall of Famers and the World Series champions, it's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great. I want to take a look at some schedules and look to see how it's going to be down the stretch and get you updated on the scoreboard coming up right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. So on the text line, 510-897-1322. Honor Giambi and Tejada. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to get their day. Can't put everybody in right away. I mean, you got to take care of the guys that have won World Series and the guys who are older. You got to put my guy Jose in, right? You got to put Jose in. You mean front of the program, Jose? Friend of the program, Jose. Jose's been a friend of the program for years. Got to have Jose in there. Come on. Now, there's a lot of guys that you're going to put in. Those guys will get their time. You don't think you're going to get Hudson, Mulder, and Zito, for God's sakes? Giambi an MVP, Tejada an MVP. They're going to get in. It's just going to take some time. You still got a bunch of dudes who won three World Series titles. You got to have Captain Sal in there. You got to have Joe Rudy in there. Kenny Holtzman has to get in there. You got all kinds of guys you got to still get in there from the 70s. And then you got the guys from the 80s. Slash into the 90s. They're all going to get in. Don't worry. And that's what's great. Year after year, you're going to have a sweet Hall of Fame class. So they took a look at the Rays schedule and the A's schedule. Because you're starting to look at it. These are the two teams, right? And Cleveland. But they look at these two. So this is what they say about on ESPN.com, Keith Law, about the A's. In Oakland, the schedule isn't terrible, but the A's do have two series against Houston and one against the Yankees. If they can take care of business against the Royals, Tigers, Giants, Angels, Rangers, Mariners, they should be able to make up for any losses against the Astros. So this is what the A's have down the stretch. So you have the Giants for two. Then they go on the road, Royals-Yankees, back home, Angels-Tigers, back on the road, Astros-Rangers, little Texas trip. Last homestand is Royals-Rangers, and then you end on the road, Angels-Mariners, and who knows what the heck they're going to look like in that last week. For the Rays, the Rays schedule is fairly similar. They have one fewer series against Houston and just one series against the Yankees. But they also have a couple of games against the Dodgers, a series against Cleveland, and a late September series against the Red Sox. 
for both the A's and the Rays, it is feast or famine with their opponents. And they'll either need to hold their ground against the league's best or destroy the teams at the bottom to qualify for the playoffs. That's pretty much dead on, right? You really need to do both. If you do both, you're hosting a wild card game. And how sick would it be to have a one-game wild card game at the Coliseum? How loud, how crazy. Something I saw, by the way, when I was on the road. Why, why, why are these broadcasters for the other teams who always come here are still shocked about the drums and the noise? Like Michael K, like Michael, it's not your first rodeo. This, and it's not like this is the first year this has been happening. Like, what is your guys' deal? This is what we do. I don't understand why it bothers them. It gives you like a college football feel, a feel. And we talked about it like with uh, with the games in Japan. It's awesome. The bands in Japan. Don't understand why these teams are like, why are they playing? Have you ever been to an NBA game? Every single time they're running up and down the court, they're playing music. I want to say it was the Warriors against the Knicks when they did that no sound game. I believe it was against the Knicks. And all the players thought it was totally weird. Like, it's weird not having music as we're coming up and down the court. I'm telling you, it's one of the cool things about being in Oakland. March 6, 2017. Was I right? Warriors Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, they didn't play any music. There's no music. I think they just had the PA guy going. And all the players felt like it was weird. Weird. Pathetic were some of the the terms used to describe pathetic. it. Pathetic. Pathetic. Right here. Weird. Yeah. Pathetic. Players pan MSG's no music experiment during Warriors Knicks game. God, can't we just understand that things are evolving? We're trying to entertain. We're trying to make things better in the game. And these old men are constantly complaining about, oh, it's not like, it's like, can we, at what point are we, what point are we not going to have to deal with these people anymore? I mean, seriously. You know who wasn't complaining over the whole Yankees A series? I didn't hear John Sterling complaining he's 81 years old. The Yankees win. Not one mention of that during a broadcast. Well, I listened to some of the I, – I How was he with Alex Jensen? It was – I'm so jealous. It was a highlight come true for me to, to meet so John Sterling. I got to I got to interview him years ago, and he was great. But this was – this was when it was over at uh, Pac Bell Park. It was the second game ever exhibition. The first game was against the Brewers on a Friday. The second game was – on sat on Saturday, it's when I was working at KMBR, and the Yankees came and played, and we had those, you know, for the first time, had those mics that could go anywhere around the ballpark, and we sat behind home plate and started interviewing a bunch of Yankees, and uh, he was one of them. He's a gentleman. But that was been like what twenty years ago, so he would only been like sixty one then. He would have been what two thousand one. So yeah, he, that would have been two thousand or two thousand one. Yeah, he would have been like sixty two, sixty three, somewhere in there. The Yankees win. His uh, when Alex asked him about you know. 
do you consider yourself like an Iron Man? He goes, actually, no, that streak's actually longer. You know, I started these games back in 1980, and then he started going on about that. But Alex is asking him from the streak from 89 to July of this year, he called over 5,060 games in a row without taking a day off. And then Michael Kane and him both missed some time around the same time. It's Glaber Day. Like a good Glaber, Torres <laughs> is there. An A-bomb For from A-Rod. That's a long streak, man, because, well, it's easier. I'm not going to say it's it's not tough, but it's easier when you're on their travel schedule versus the West Coast teams. The West Coast teams' travels are unbelievable. You know, we've had a changing of the guard at the Baseball Hall of Fame. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, I had him on years ago. Tim Mead now runs the Baseball Hall of Fame. Our friend, friend of the program who we had on down in Anaheim, is now the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. But Jeff Idelson has been the president for years. We're going to talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Jeff Idelson, the former president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, is going to join us next. 33 years in baseball. The last 25, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and museum in Cooperstown in Upper State, New York, and he served as the president for the last 11 years. And he retired after Hall of Fame weekend in July, and our buddy Tim Mead from the Angels, who did PR, and God, he did everything for the Angels for so long, is now taking over. What a run. We got to ask him about grassroots baseball. And we had Gene Firth on the program talking about this great book that has so many, these pictures of just baseball everywhere around the world, so special. But what a run for Jeff. To be the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, I mean, that is an incredible job. And he did it with great success. And if you ever get a chance, if you're a baseball fan, it's an absolute must. It's a little town in upper state New York. I say it's like a little Lake Tahoe. And it's absolutely beautiful. Do we have Jeff? Jeff, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Chris. How are you tonight? I I am wonderful. And congratulations on such such a great run that you had as the president and all the years working at the Baseball Hall of Fame. And for all of us that work in baseball, I've been there three times. I know how special it is. And, and, and just congratulations on one heck of a run. Well, I really appreciate it, Chris. It's uh, It was a really great experience. Uh, my colleagues in Cooperstown are unmatched, and uh, to, have had, to have had 25 years taking care of a place that I care so much about and being a part of that uh, was really rewarding, and I really, really love Cooperstown. You know, there's a big responsibility <laughs> to it because it's a museum. So it's, you know, so many people think, ah, baseball owns it. No, it's a museum, and it's a museum about the history of the game. Talk about how you have to make sure that it always stays the way it should and be run the right way. 
Well, we take our responsibility greatly in terms of preserving history. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't realize that history happens every day. And uh, when something unfolds on the field, a no-hitter, uh, a monumental game, a record's broken, it immediately becomes history. And we, t- we take that responsibility greatly in Cooperstown, 40,000 artifacts in the museum's three-dimensional collection, another three million pieces in its library, Chris. So when you think about it, sort of like the Smithsonian and Library of Congress for baseball all rolled into one. So like I said, I've been there three times, and every single time you go there, you see different things. And I was fortunate that my grandfather, uh, years ago, you guys have my gra- my grandfather's Bob Elliott, and you guys have his 2,000th hit ball and bat, and we got to go down below and see it and to see all the different things that were coming in. So I've been there three times, and you always see things. You always see different things. How do you move it all around, and how do you decide what to display versus not to display? Well, yeah, it's a daunting task, Chris, because you want to make sure you're you're true to fans for every team. And, you know, probably 20%, 15 to 20% of the museum's collection is on display, which is actually a pretty high number as museums go. Most museums uh, display even less, but... Uh, the curatorial staff there does a great job of telling stories and, put, and plugging in pieces to tell larger stories of baseball in America, not just what happens on the game, but in the context uh, of its role as, a, as an important part of uh, the social history uh, that the America's become in large part with baseball as a part of it. One of my favorite things that we got to watch you do was on MLB Network when you got to announce who got the votes, who got the 75 percent and they're getting in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And these great players who obviously have earned it, but they're so humbled by the process. It's life-changing. You will live forever. Your plaque will live forever in the Baseball Hall of Fame. What was that day like for you when you got to open up those envelopes and announce those names? It's great. I I mean, first and foremost, Chris, I always am a baseball fan. I may work at the Hall of Fame. I I had 33 years overall in baseball uh, with the Red Sox and Yankees before Cooperstown, but I I never lost a fan in me. And to have the opportunity to see history unfold and who's going to go into the Hall of Fame and then have the incredible pleasure and honor uh, of letting those those players who make it and their fans know uh, that they're forever going to have a spot in Cooperstown, something I never took lightly. I always tried to uh, make the announcement as personal as I could, as if I were speaking to the person being inducted in their fan base. In 1999, I got to go to the Hall of Fame inductions. That was George Brett, Nolan Ryan, Robin Yount, Orlando Cepeda. And just that's th- th- that day where there's, well, really that weekend, where there's so many thousands and thousands of baseball fans who, who come to Cooperstown Versus like you go like in the fall where it's like completely different. What was that weekend like for you? Yeah, as I tell people, Chris, in the middle of the winter, you could, you could theoretically count our visitors on a certain day in January on Mordecai Brown's pitching hand. It's that, it's that sparse. But induction weekend is always big. And 99 at that time was the biggest induction ever. 95, I got there in 94. And in 95, when Schmidt and Ashburn went in, there were probably 45,000 people. 99 was just massive. And uh, what I remember, Chris, is that I started with the Hall of Fame during the strike in 1994. My first week there in August, uh, in the first two days I was there, I had five phone calls. And this is August of 1994 with people wanting, four of the five people wanted to know what the date was in 1999. So you anticipated that was coming. You look at the guys that you just mentioned, Ryan, Brett, Yount, 
Orlando Cepeda, all fan favorites, and we had the biggest induction in history to that point, and you were there. Yeah, it was it was absolutely magical. Now I think about how happy were you to see Mariano Rivera, finally a guy who deserved every vote, and finally a guy did get every vote. Well, it just speaks to the complete certainty that the writers had with him, and you can never explain why guys in the past didn't get 100%, and that's no knock against Mariano, just – uh, it's the it's the power of having an opinion and how and the power of being able to vote as you please. But uh, you know, guys like Hank Aaron, uh, Tom Seaver, uh, Willie Mays, you wonder how they never got 100%. But I'm very happy for Mo. There was no doubt with that guy. Uh, I knew him early on in my Yankee days when he was at A ball a little bit, and uh, he overcame you know shoulder injuries and uh, moderate uh, minor league career to become you know with uh, the success of the one pitch. Uh, exactly who he was, the 100% man and uh, a place in Cooperstown. Do you now think we'll see this more often, especially with the guy next year, Derek Jeter? You don't know. I mean, uh, you know, the, the 10 people could look up at the sky and disagree whether or not there's a clouds in it. So, you know, for Mariano to get 100%, absolute certainty. You know, you'd think that maybe that'll start a trend, but you just don't know. And again, the beauty of it is the democracy of the vote and where I won't get it, where some guys maybe don't want to vote for someone that's a no brainer. It's their right. And it proves that the system is truly democratic. So I think of Tim Mead, our, our good friend from the Angels, obviously with the athletics playing in the same division. Uh, he's helped us so much and he's had such a wonderful career in baseball, but I'm still trying to figure out how are you going to prepare him to he's he's lived in orange county for all these years how are you going to prepare him for these winners <laughs> nothing prepares you for these winners other than living through them but uh they're not i mean you look every 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 uh part of the world has its, its climate issues and interesting uh dynamics and uh we don't have we don't have earthquakes uh here in the northeast but we do have snow and uh my my advice to him was to buy some boots, get a warm jacket, and get snow tires. <laughs> yeah, and, and I like to tell people the best time of the year is the fall when the leaves are changing. It's starting to get cooler, but it's a perfect time to take your family on that wonderful vacation. Am I right on that? What's your favorite time of the year at the Hall of Fame? Well, I'm born and bred in New England, so I, I've, I've experienced the four seasons my whole life, and I, I love the fall as well. Chris, for a number of reasons. The climate's great. It, it's like uh, San Francisco. It's got a nice, cool uh, temperature. And, you know, with playoff baseball in the air, it's just got a nice buzz in Cooperstown with people talking about baseball. And if you happen to come during the World Series, uh, you can watch uh, Game 3 right inside the Hall of Fame in the famed uh, Hall of Fame uh, uh, Grandstand Theater. And it's just a, it's a great time to visit the fall. But they are open the year-round. The only days the Hall of Fame closes are Christmas, New Year's, and Thanksgiving when you should be with your family. Well, we recently had Gene on, and, and this coffee table book, The Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin, 250 pages, and the photography is second to none. Talk about this book and how special it is. Well, Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin, is incredible, as you mentioned. It's a great coffee table book broken out into 15 chapters, eight regions in the United States, seven outside. Each of the 15 chapters introduced by a legend, a Hall of Famer, 13 of the chapters. And uh, you have Ichiro, Fernando Valenzuela, and Hensley Mullins representing countries that don't have Hall of Famers in Cooperstown. Cal Ripken wrote the intro, Johnny Bench the afterward. And these essays are so heartfelt, Chris, because they talk about uh, the players talk about what it was like to grow up in the region they did. Ricky Henderson's got great stories that everybody knows from Oakland. But you learn about Hank Aaron and what he overcame. 
You learn about the discipline of Ichiro Suzuki. You learn about Randy Johnson's mom sewing a couple of pairs of pants together so he had the same length pants as everybody else, every other kid in Little League. Nolan Ryan having a paper route in Alvin so he could buy his first glove. That's the beauty of this book that Gene put together. Not only the, the, the photographs, which are right or second to none, but also these essays. And the book is just doing really, really well. Uh, available online at grassrootsbaseballbook.com. Yes, and you can also buy the book in our team store in Oakland and Gate D this Sunday. She's going to be signing from 11 to 1, then in Section 217 by the Shibe Park Tavern from 1 to 3. So we had her on the program. You know, we see her a lot. She's she's phenomenal, and uh, we'll do everything we can to help push this book. And I think of somebody whose life has been in baseball, I know you're retiring as president, but I have a hard time seeing you outside of baseball. What's in the cards for you going forward? <laughs> well, I'm so enamored with what uh, I've been so enamored with Gene's done with Grassroots Baseball Where Legends Begin that she and I actually have, have formed a program to promote the amateur game and celebrate it and to grow it in underprivileged communities around the, uh, around the, around the globe. And uh, we forayed the, the first part of this venture on Grassroots Baseball Route 66. So she and I have been traveling Route 66 She's working on her next book, which will be that, Grassroots Baseball Route 66. But, you know, in the meantime, this, book's, uh, this book is doing great, and her appearance at Oakland uh, Coliseum on Sunday is important because all uh, proceeds from sales will go to the A's Community Fund, which does such a great job in the Bay Area taking care of kids. Jeff, you've had a, a phenomenal career, and I expect uh, there'll be much more for you in this great game of ours. A phenomenal job running the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's an honor to have you on the program and continued success. Hey, thanks so much, Chris. I think the biggest thing I'm going to miss is my spring training dinner with Voos and Mickey every year, but maybe I'll do it anyway. Hey, we can still bring you down to Arizona. You can still come down. <laughs> I just may do that. You'll have to join us. Oh, love to. You take care. Thank you, Chris. Two legends right there, Mickey Morabito and Steve Vucinich. Yeah, I Jeff Ottelson has had a you talk about a big league career. You know they do the foot on the NFL network, they do the a football life. They should do that on MLB network, a baseball life. I mean, he's worked for the Yankees, worked for the Red Sox, baseball hall of fame for 25 years, served as the president of the hall for 11 years. What a career. Once again, Cody, put that uh let me let me read that one more time. Okay, so Gene is going to be signing the book. You can get the book at our team store, Gate D this Sunday from 11 to 1, and then in Section 217 by the by Shibe Park Tavern from 1 to 3. Check it out this Sunday between the Athletics and the Giants. But coming up next, how do we end every show? We only end it one way, buying or selling. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What a day today. Another great show. And don't forget, after this game, you want to hear baseball? Oh, we got baseball. The Oakland A's aren't playing, but the Stockton Ports are taking on the San Jose Giants. The Battle of the Bay continues, but it's just at single A. When those two teams get together, you never know what's going to happen. It, it gets ugly. I'm just going to be honest with you. It gets ugly. I mean, I would say if it, was, if it was here in San Jose, it's actually home. Stockton's playing at home. If it was here in San Jose, so we should just go over and watch it. Great bar. 
That's that's San Jose Muni, where I played my college ball. They got a great barbecue. But we're not doing that. All right, buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Okay, so I've been waiting a couple of days to get a couple of these in with you because we didn't do it with Roxy and Alex because we had interviews at the end of the show the last few days. So one of them, I'm going to start off with this. Sure, you saw this the other night. Clayton Kershaw passed Sandy Koufax in career wins with 166, 166th win as a Dodger. Sandy Koufax has 165 wins. Kershaw in his career, 166 and 71 with a 241 ERA. Koufax, 165 and 87 with a 276 ERA in 12 years and retired at the age of 30. Man, it keeps it easy for you. He, he also passed Koufax strikeouts, career strikeouts this year. Buying or selling, Clayton Kershaw is the greatest Dodgers pitcher of all time. Selling. No, don't, don't want to elaborate. You still against Koufax? I... Sandy Koufax for a time was just unhittable. And Sandy Koufax delivered where Clayton Kershaw has not been able to. And that would be the postseason. So when Kershaw puts a ring on his finger, I may readjust. But until he has that October moment and he has that greatness, Sandy Koufax still going to be my guy. I didn't get, well, neither of us really saw, well, neither of us saw Koufax pitch. I read the book about him. Great stuff, but I've, I've seen, I've, I've seen him pitch when they played a class, like the World oh, Series oh, game yeah. against the Twins. I mean, I wasn't alive, but you're talking about a guy that threw high 90s with a 12, like a, a right-hander 12-6 curveball. He had a right, he had a 12-6 curveball. Kershaw's a good curveball too, though. Yeah, but Kershaw never threw as hard as Koufax. He threw upper 90s. Maybe he's, mid to He's upper. lived under 95 yeah. for years. Well, now he has the back. Well, I mean, he has that. There's so many comparisons with those two because the lefties, they both had back problems, this and that. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe Kershaw gets that ring this year. Who knows? So, Michael Brantley hold, is. Hold on one second real quick. Let me just, let me go to Sandy here. And I just want to go to his postseason because I know you don't care about postseason play. Uh, Sandy Koufax in his career had a zero point. Nine five ERA in the postseason. I'm looking. Is that any good? I mean, is he a modern day? He, I eight, mean, eight games, zero point nine five. I mean, what happened in that World Series in '66? He had that one five one five zero ERA. That's not good. He struggled. Yeah, <laughs> he struggled a little bit against Baltimore that year. <laughs> he lost the game. He pitched in the World Series. I, I don't get how they uh, they ever let him go. Let it, let it, uh, let him live that down. Yeah, yeah, one point five zero one World Series. He should be that, that should have canned him. That well, sixty five ERA. Uh, by the way, he was uh, twice World Series MVP. So I don't know. I think we're still gonna stick with Kofi. Yeah, he's he was pretty good from what he I was okay. from what I read. He was okay. University of Cincinnati product, I believe, or if not, it was Xavier. One of the schools from Cincinnati, Z- Xavier, Cincinnati. So Michael Brantley is leading the Yankees, DJ LeMahieu, in the race for the batting title, which was both having seasons that their former teams could possibly use right now. Brantley's hitting 338 just ahead of DJ LeMahieu, who we just saw. Well, we saw, actually saw both of these guys at 331. Brantley has the a 10.7% whiff rate this season, which is the lowest in a season with at least 50 games played since 2015 when it was 8.7%. Brantley has a 544 slugging percentage, which will be his highest in any season of his career. 
He's already had 18 home runs, just too shy of tying his career high of 20 from 2014. So buying or selling Michael Brantley was the best signing in the offseason. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell. I I don't think he's meant more to Houston than DJ LeMay, who has met to the New York Yankees. LeMay, he's been really good. He has a, I think his war is like five, exactly five right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, because they have dealt with some injuries. I mean, obviously, Correa, Altuve, but, and Brantley, I mean, I mean, both guys have been fabulous, but there was, there's was there been a point in this season, and the Yankees still have the best record in baseball, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, the Dodgers, I think, right? The Dodgers are 85 and 44. Or the Yankees. Yeah, it's Yankees Dodgers. are 83 and 46. So, But the, the Yankees came into the A series with the most. With the, the best, best record, yeah. And Dodgers have walked. Dodgers won another there game. Was a, there, there was a time this year where LeMahieu was carrying these guys. Oh, he still is. So I, mean, I, I, I got to say, with all the injuries, and not saying Houston hasn't had the injuries, I'm going to sell. I'm going to take LeMahieu. So I, and I hate the Yankees. You and I were talking about this last week. I mean, we played, we uh, had the audio for you. But yes. This has happened last Friday. That's your guy, Flip James the Is that the catcher? It is. I tell you, I'm not a very good catcher. I'm much better at getting high than getting low. He has lost control of yeah, the he's game. struggling with, with command here. Command? Is yeah. that like the military command? And, uh, this I spoke is less to our, rigid. I spoke to our U.S. Navy, the second greatest marketing slogan ever, the global force for good. Yeah. What's the best marketing slogan as this pitch comes on two and two? Uh, the Viagra commercial. <laughs> if this lasts for more than four hours, call your doctor. <laughs> so, Bill Walton called a game with uh, Roxy Bernstein's friend of the program, Jason Benetti, against the Angels last Friday night. Yeah. And we haven't got a chance to get to this. Buying or selling Major League Baseball needs more of Bill Walton. Oh, I am buying. You know, I have the family connection with Bill. San Diego, right? Bill and I both went to, uh, both of us went to Blessed Sacrament Church, and both of us went to Blessed Sacrament Ele- Elementary. And so when I actually got to finally interview Bill Walton, talk to him, I knew Bill Walton's parents and his brother. Bill was already, you know, gone to start a UCLA and then off to the NBA in Portland and all of that. Oh, he was Celtic when I was a real little kid. But I knew Bill Walton's parents. We went to church together, so... I love me some Bill. I can't get enough of Bill Walton. I love Bill. I, I think I agree. I think Major League Baseball needs more color analysts like that. Not every day, but to add the element of that to broadcast, I think is great. And I think Jason Benetti handles it very well. Just like Roxy. Roxy works with them all the time during college basketball. Roxy keeps them somehow under control. But I, I agree. I think Major League Baseball needs Bill Walton, and I think we all would love a little bit more of Bill Walton. By the way, uh, no Marty Lurie this weekend. Yeah, I know. I talked to him, too. Uh friend of the program is taking the weekend off oh who's doing giants free and post i have no idea john lund doubt that too okay. lazy <laughs> all right last one here so matt harvey's pitched pretty well down in the dark night the dark night pitched pretty well down in vegas selling. he's made two stars selling you know what you don't think he's gonna pitch in the, for the A's this year selling all right i don't even want it to, I'm, not even, I'm looking at the time i'm not even uh-huh. Go ahead. Go, no, ahead. No, no, Go ahead. Give the question. No, no. It's, I don't mean to. We, we got to get to the Bay Bridge series. Stockton in uh, San Jose. Were you going to say he's going to pitch for the A's this year? Buying or selling, he'll make a start this year for the A's. I'm selling. What are you doing? I'm buying. You're buying? I think Harvey makes a spot start somewhere down the road. Why not? What do you have to lose? A game. What if you already wrap up a, a playoff spot? Say you wrap up the first the first wild card and you want to save guys. Why not bring him up? I'd pitch Sean Manaya. 
He's pitching tonight right now. For, he's pitching tonight for Vegas. We'll see how he does. So why aren't we playing that? Why are we playing Stockton? I, I don't make those decisions. Who I'm made, the project manager of this program. That's who, it. Who made this decision? Uh, the Italian Stallion. Oh, boy. We've got a good one for you. It's Stockton and it's San Jose. We are back tomorrow. We're on all weekend long. Give the times again. Saturday? Tomorrow, tomorrow Saturday, 3 to 5. Sunday, 10 to noon. So tomorrow, 3 to 5. Sunday, 10 to noon. We'll have a graphic out on our Ace, our Athletics Cast 24 Twitter promoting everything that's going on tomorrow and Sunday. And then after that, I'll have A's Total Access, our pregame show. That will be from 5 to 6. And then on Sunday, it'll be from noon to 1 o'clock. We got you covered. A's, Giants, all weekend long right here on the A's Radio Network and on A's Cast. That's going to do it for A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Coming up next, it's the Stockton Ports against the San Jose Giants. The Bay Bridge Series lives on high A style. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.